0: Welcome to the Small Business Commission meeting on January 23rd, 2023. The meeting is being called to order at 4.31 p.m. This meeting is being held in person in City Hall, room 400, and broadcast live on TV and available to view online or listen to by calling 415-655-0001. As authorized by California Government Code, section 549 3E and Mayor Breed's 45th Supplement to her February 2020 Emergency Proclamation, it is possible that some members of the Small Business Commission may attend this meeting remotely. In that event, those members will participate and vote by video. The Small Business Commission thanks Media Services and SFGovTV for televising the meeting, which can be viewed on SFGovTV2 or live-streamed at sfgovtv.org. We welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There will be an opportunity for general public comment at the end of the meeting, and there will be an opportunity to comment on each discussion or action item on the agenda. For each item, the commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person, and then from people attending the meeting remotely. Members of the public who will be calling in, the number is 415-655-0001. The meeting code is 2496-754-1551 followed by password 7221. Press pound and then pound again to be added to the line. When connected, you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star 3 to be added to the speaker line. If you dial star 3 before public comment is called, you'll be added to the queue. When you are called for public comment, please mute the device that you are listening to the meeting on. When it is your time to speak, you'll be prompted to do so. Public comment during the meeting is limited to three minutes per speaker. An alarm will sound once the time has finished. Speakers are requested but not required to state their names. SFGov TV, please show the Office of Small Business slide.
1: need assistance for small business matters particularly at this time you can find us online or via telephone and as always our services are free of charge before item number one is called I'd like to start by thanking media services and SFGV for coordinating this virtual hearing and helping to run the meeting please call item number one.
0: Item one roll call. (coughs) Commissioner Carter. Here. Commissioner Dickerson? Present. Commissioner Herbert? Here. Commissioner Huey? Here. President Liguana?
1: Here. Stop.
0: Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena is absent. Vice President Zunis, Present. President you have a quorum.
1: Thank you and I'll just note for the audience if um, we're having a lot of mic noises is because we have laptops uh, <laughs> and they're all touching the microphones and none of us This is brand new. We've never had them before, and we haven't figured out how to not have the laptops touch the microphones, so that's why you're hearing all the background noise. All right. Um, Item number one.
0: Uh, Oh, uh,
1: uh, sorry. We we did that. Yeah, distracted. Sorry. Uh, San Francisco Small Business Commission and the Office of Small Business Staff acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramaytush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land, and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramaytush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramaytush Ohlone community, and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. Please call item number two.
0: Item two, SF Travel presentation. This is a discussion item. The commission will hear a presentation from SF Travel introducing the organization's history, mission, current programming, and potential opportunities for future collaboration. Presenting today, we have Joe D'Alessandro, CEO of SF Travel, joined by Cassandra Costello, Nicole Rogers, Dan Rosenbaum, Hubertus Funk, Lynn, and Lynn Bruni Perkins.
1: Wonderful. Come on up, guys.
2: Well, good afternoon. My name is Joe D'Alessandro, and I'm going to start. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here in, in front of the Small Business Commission to talk about San Francisco travel, um, the importance of the tr- tourism industry in San Francisco, and how it impacts small business, and, and what we're doing in some of our programs to do that, especially dealing with recovery of, of the industry, which we all know. it. San Francisco's got a lot of work to do ahead of us to to get back to the places that we were before. We have um, some slides here, and we'll also be showing some videos, so periodically I'll direct your attention to the screen, but uh, don't hesitate to ask me any questions if you do. Um, So who are we? Um, We are the official destination marketing organization for San Francisco. We're responsible for promoting San Francisco around the world, um, uh, and you're gonna find out the different ways that we do it. You may not know much about us because most of our activity and work is not here in San Francisco but outside in markets where we get people to come to San Francisco and the reason small business and the tourism industry in San Francisco is so important Is because unlike other major cities in the United States that have theme parks or casinos, um, when a person comes to San Francisco, what they want to do, what they want to see, and what they want to participate in are small businesses. They want to go to the restaurants. They want to go to the neighborhoods, small retail, because that's what San Francisco is all about. So that's how we communicate what San Francisco is to our customers, whether they're in Los Angeles, whether they're in Beijing, or whether they're in Paris, it's the same, similar messaging, because what they want to do is experience San Francisco like locals do, and that's the story that we tell about San Francisco. We've been in existence for over 100 years. We started shortly after the earthquake and fire. Um, It was a very progressive idea to, um, because San Francisco is so far away from the rest of the country, but it was a very progressive idea to think, well, maybe we can... Revitalize the economy by getting people to come here for meetings and conventions and tourism activities So we started shortly after the earthquake and fire to do just that We um, our vision is to be the most compelling destination in the world Our mission is to promote the San Francisco region as a top global destination by leading the way in performance Innovation and sustainability and so our audiences that we're going to talk about a little bit now are our members our meeting planners our, the travel trade, which are those people that are tour operators that book leisure travel. Um, our leisure customers and media. So this is a DEIA statement that our board approved that really is a driving force behind how we communicate about San Francisco, how we operate as an organization, and how we tell the San Francisco story to the world. And it says basically, in San Francisco, all are welcome and differences are celebrated. The San Francisco Travel Association is committed to diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility to promote unique San Francisco experiences and elevate voices in the community that speak to travelers from around the world. We aim to be a thought leader in our industry, city, and our community. And that is really our driving um, uh, mission to do that and to make sure that we're telling the complete story of San Francisco and making sure that San Francisco is welcoming to everybody who wants to come here. you know, it is one of our most important industries, and the, the stats that you see on the slide here um, talks about the stats in 2019, which is the 10th year in a row of record-breaking numbers and record-breaking visitation in San Francisco. The pandemic came and hit hit San Francisco particularly hard, hit us harder than any other city in the country, hit the travel industry harder than any other industry in the city, too. Um, to give you an idea where we, went, where we where we were in 2019, when you look at the top 25 markets in the country, San Francisco and New York were always going back and forth as number one in terms of hotel occupancy rates. Um, during the pandemic, we fell to number 25, dead last in the top 25 markets. Right now, we're about number 17. We have a long way to go for recovery, and we're feeling it throughout the city in every neighborhood. And as you all know, this is not anything new to you. The businesses are still suffering uh, greatly in San Francisco, and we still have a long way to go. We don't anticipate we'll see levels of 2019 numbers until probably 2025 or, or, or later for a variety of reasons that we'll touch upon. But this gives you an idea of the, the local taxes that visitors generated in 2019, $819 million, um, 86,000 jobs, um, 83% of the spending was in small businesses in San Francisco, a really important stat I think that's important to all of us. To give you an idea of where visitors go, and this is a list of the neighborhoods, we do um, surveys, that ask visitors, intercept studies, where they're visiting, whether in their hotel or in some key visitor spots, and ask them, where are you going? You know, what, what neighborhoods in San Francisco do you, go, you attend? Where do you go shopping? And this list gives you an idea of the top ones. The average visitor goes to 3.1% 3.1 of the neighborhoods while they're in San Francisco. So one of our key strategies is not necessarily to try to get more people to come to San Francisco, but try to get them to stay longer. Those people that are already coming here, if they stay longer, then they're more likely to go out to more neighborhoods, to go out and support more businesses. We try to encourage people who are coming here for a convention, to not only come for those dates that the convention is, but bring their partner, bring a family member, and stay longer so you can experience San Francisco. So that's really one of the key strategies, because it's not all about numbers in terms of visitors, but it's about economic impact that those visitors have when they come to San Francisco, because that really benefits everybody. Um, So these are some of the attractions that people visited, where they dined, neighborhoods that they dined in, or top attractions that they visited in San Francisco. There's probably no surprises to you here because it's the same neighborhoods that we go to. It's the same type of attractions that we attend as, as locals because, again, those visitors when they come to San Francisco, they want to experience the same thing we do. They want, don't want to be seen as tourists walking around, but they want to see as visitors as locals do too. And, and so those experiences that we do are the same experiences, whether it's going to the bookstore or the art gallery or the restaurant, that we like to do as San Franciscans themselves. So what we're going to do now is get into some of our specific program. I'm going to ask Lynn Bruni Perkins, who's our Chief Marketing Officer, to come up and lead us through the marketing portion.
3: Hi, good afternoon. Thank you very much for having me today. Um, as Joe mentioned, I'm Lynn Bruni Perkins, Chief Marketing Officer, and I'm going to take you through how we market uh, San Francisco and the destination. So first of all, brand is really central to all that we do, and it is our guidepost for all of our marketing communications. So in 2019, we actually underwent an extensive brand refresh, and this was led by a lot of research that we did both domestically and internationally to really learn more about how people see our brand and who we are as a destination. So I'm going to take you through um, what is called our brand anthem. And this is kind of the guideposts that that inform a lot of our communication.
4: Few cities are as instantly recognizable as San Francisco. Images of the Golden Gate Bridge, Alcatraz Island, Fisherman's Wharf, and cable cars immediately transport you to the city by the bay. Its dramatic hills and coastlines famed icons and architecture nestled together in a harmonious balance of nature and humanity, all within 49 square miles, framed by the expansive waters of the Pacific Ocean and San Francisco Bay. No wonder San Francisco is called the most beautiful city in the world. Yet when visitors arrive in San Francisco, they discover something that transcends aesthetics something beyond its world famous icons and renowned creative and culinary scenes. They experience San Francisco's refreshing open-mindedness that welcomes new and different perspectives. And they discover its diversity of cultures, histories, and personalities, united in the belief that we are free to be ourselves and all things are possible. It's this intangible spirit of expression and radiant optimism that makes San Francisco the leader in innovation and cultural change, opening new doors and establishing fresh outlooks. To visit San Francisco is to do more than look. It is to be San Francisco. It's to become entranced by its scenic beauty and inspired by its people. To embrace the new and experience the unexpected. It's to step beyond the everyday, view the world through a different lens, and feel empowered in a place where differences are more than accepted. They're celebrated.
3: Always makes me feel proud of our city every time I see that. So, um, I, I'm sorry, what was that?
5: Oh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, Well, we we also know that to reach our diverse audiences, though, we have to remain relevant. And what does that mean exactly? It means that we need to um, feature the diverse experiences that San Francisco has to offer in all of our content. And neighborhoods and small businesses are actually a core part of those diverse experiences. People want to see themselves here. Everybody who's in our commercials or our our print ads can't be supermodels and stick thin. People want to make sure that they're seeing people who look like themselves and that they'll feel safe and be welcome in San Francisco. And we know that if we maintain this relevance, it actually improves our conversion and people are more willing to choose San Francisco as a destination because we're being really true to who we are. So our messaging, um, as Joe spoke uh, earlier, a lot of you won't see most of our ads because we're not, we're not promoting the city to locals and residents. Um, we are actually messaging globally. So we market directly to leisure consumers in U.S. and key global markets, and that includes Canada, Mexico, U.K., France, Germany, China, Korea, Japan, Taiwan, and Australia. Those are all of our key international markets. Our tourism development team, who you're going to hear from later today, also works with SFO and airlines, as well as the travel trade, to promote the city globally. And our neighborhoods and small businesses are a key selling point in all of these efforts because they really, as Joe mentioned, qualify us. They're very unique to who we are in San Francisco, and they differentiate us from our competition. One of, the, one of the key communication channels that we also use is earned media. So we have a vice president of public relations who is out pitching journalists all of the time about the wonderful stories of San Francisco. We consistently seek um, tourism small businesses to help tell that story and create the rich um, fabric of content and rich stories that, that uh, the journalists will publish. Um, You can see here this Toronto Star actually featured um, small chocolatiers in San Francisco to tell a unique story about the city and really drive um, visitors out into the neighborhoods and to the small businesses. And This is just another example of some more coverage um, that was featured in Mexico. One of our biggest efforts that we're undergoing right now is a recovery brand campaign. Um, The concept behind this campaign is really to take back the narrative and promote all that is exciting about San Francisco. So as you're well aware, we've received a lot of bad press, especially in the last two two to three years. So what we have been doing at San Francisco Travel is actually creating a high reach campaign that is going to promote San Francisco. In, In the past, we've never done anything like TV. We've typically been on digital channels and that's primarily because of funding. However, we have been able to raise funds both from the city and um, visit California through an EDA grant to to run a high reach television campaign that will also be featured in Out of Home and Digital. We are hoping to launch this campaign in um, probably in Q1 of this year. Some of it is dependent upon that funding that we're receiving um, from the federal government. Lots of rules are involved with that. Um, But we will be um, featuring this campaign in our key feeder markets of New York, Chicago, DC, Boston, and Houston to try to drive more visitation to the city and into the neighborhoods and our small businesses. This is also in partnership with the SF Chamber, OEWD, and other key stakeholders here in the city. And this is just a little bit of a sample of where we shot our campaign. So we were, throughout the city, went into multiple neighborhoods. You can see Chinatown, the Mission, Alamo Square, um, Golden Gate Park. So we really want to feature all that is rich and unique about San Francisco in all of our neighborhoods. And then additionally, we really took a look at ensuring that our talent that was featured in the commercials was very diverse, Um, LGBTQ, people of color, um, those with physical challenges, they were all featured as um, part of the talent in this spot. Unfortunately, I'm unable to share the spot with you today because um, this is being televised and we don't quite have the rights yet to be able to do that, Um, but uh, we will share with you at a later date um, once we're able to do that. So our marketing materials are continually developed through that diversity and small business lenses. So I've talked about this major brand campaign, but we also develop content on an ongoing basis. Um, Our content is always framed around our key pillars that we know um, are driving visitation to San Francisco. And that is um, iconic San Francisco, so the Golden Gate Bridge, the cable cars, Coit Tower, all of those things that we know and love about the city our culinary scene um, multiple michelin star restaurants but also those great mom and pop um, smaller restaurants out in the neighborhoods that people love to go and visit and experience um, when they're here in san francisco diversity and that's not only diversity of of people but of the neighborhoods and the different experiences as i mentioned before as well as arts and culture as is a key pillar that drives people to visit san francisco We have more than 750 articles that live on sftravel.com, and we're we're constantly updating those, we're writing new articles, and we're we're telling the story of why people should come and visit San Francisco. And as I mentioned earlier, when when we were doing our, our photo shoots and any kind of video production, we're always ensuring that the locations we pick are very diverse, that they're throughout the city, and that the people are very reflective of who people will see when they come to San Francisco. So here's just a few samples of some of the content that currently lives on our site. So these are um, local San Francisco residents who tell the story of of what they love about San Francisco. So you can see we have everyone from George McCallman, who's a creative director, to Kayla Abe, a business owner, and then even Ellis Cato, who's a cable car gripman. So there's all these wonderful stories and they share what they love about the city to try to invite people to come and visit. A couple, more, um, a couple more examples, um, Miss San Francisco, and then we have Ron Saunders, who's an artist, and Joey Yi, who's a YouTuber. So really, once again, those very diverse experiences, diverse people, um, and diverse stories to tell. Here are a few additional content examples, um, and I think that these are very specific, especially to small business. So um, we have a story around exploring San Francisco's legacy businesses, LGBT couples in San Francisco, what to do in the outer sunset, how to support black owned businesses. Again, a range of diverse content to attract multiple people. And then finally, I mentioned the importance of our arts and culture pillow, p- pillar, <laughs> pillow. Um, So um, in the past two years, we did um, three Arts Are Open campaigns, and they featured over 17 neighborhoods, including Bayview, Glen Park, Western Edition, the Leather District, and and Chinatown. Um, We also work, we have a dedicated staff member who works with dozens of arts organizations and artists, including Creativity Explored, ODC, muralists, and musicians. Um, and then we, we also like to feature as part of our content all of our wonderful festivals and events that happen in the city. So we've produced um, video about Juneteenth, Folsom Street Fair, Pride, Lunar New Year Parade, Stern Grove, and Carnival. Again, speaking to all the diverse in, um, experiences that San Francisco has to offer its, its visitors. And here's just a sample of some of the photo shoots and um, some of the people that we have featured as a part of these um, so that people can see themselves reflected in all of our communications so next i'm going to take you um, through some of the video Uh, this is one that we recently did in this past year um, that ran in the uk it was a partnership with visit california and um, i'll just share it features uh, the outer sunset San Francisco is
6: beautiful.
7: There's always something new to explore. It's just a little bit of everything that makes this a really unique place.
3: Another program that we did, as I mentioned, are the Arts Are Open. So this is um, a social cut of um, one of the videos um, that played as a part of that campaign. And now I'll invite uh, my colleague uh, Hubertus Wunke up to talk to you about what we do in our tourism department. Thank you.
8: Good afternoon, everybody. Hubertus Wunke is my name. It's great to be here. Um, My colleague Lynn already covered a lot of the work that we do as an organization. I just wanted to highlight a few additional pieces relative to our work, specifically as it relates to the international visitor market. Um, It was referenced before that in 2019 we had 26 million visitors. Out of those 26 million, 4 million came from international markets. So that is a very important segment of our visitor mix. International visitors tend to stay longer, they tend to spend more money, and they gravitate towards businesses across the city as well, um, especially since they're staying longer. So I'm just going to highlight a few additional areas of our focus um, that we have been working on over the last few years and that we'll continue to work on. One big piece is influencer-led marketing. We're all on social media. I read the other day that five billion people in the world are on social media right now. So it's an important channel to be active in. Um, And what we've done over the last few years is really identify influencers. Influencers are those in the social media space that really drive opinion, shape opinions, are taste makers. So we've been able to really identify a number of key influencers across the world, um, that we can work with and that can really shape um, opinions around travel and decision making around travel. So, what we've done over the last few years um, is, is really identify these influences in key markets such as the UK and Canada and really identify those um, that, that can help us sort of tell the story about San Francisco. So, we did a couple of programs last year in partnership with airlines. Um, where we brought groups of influences to San Francisco and what that enabled us to do is really craft an itinerary um, that enabled us to take these influences into the neighborhoods. That's what they're really curious about. Um, They really want to understand how cities function. They don't want to go to the big box um, types of experiences. They want to understand and really integrate themselves and immerse themselves into the experience that make a city unique, which is what we're so proud of here in San Francisco. Um, So really what we've done with that, we've been able to showcase neighborhoods, Um, We've had these influencers interact with merchants in in those neighborhoods. We had them introduced to gallery owners, to restaurants, of course, and they really were able to create a lot of compelling content that they were able to then push out through their their own channels. So again, we're really furthering the message around what's really unique about San Francisco, what are the, the stories that we want to tell, and a lot of that is fueled by the small businesses in the city. And we get, do get a lot of support for these itineraries as well. A lot of the sightseeing companies in the city are small businesses. They're family-owned operations. There's a number of walking tour providers um, that really have focus on neighborhood experiences. Um, we have a lot of specialty uh, sightseeing companies. Again, a lot of them, or most of them, I should say, are small businesses. The other areas the travel trade it was referenced before. The travel trade is essentially, those are tour operators, travel agents, OTAs, online travel agencies around the world um, that sell directly to the consumers in their markets. Um, Over the years we've been able to really build and maintain an extensive database of travel trade partners around the world and we maintain close contact with them as they are really the ones who sell the destination in their respective marketplaces. A key aspect, and what we hear from these travel trade partners around the world time and time again, is how their customers really love San Francisco, the uniqueness of the city. I think we're also uniquely positioned with our geography. It's a small footprint for a major American city, unlike many other cities. So people really appreciate, especially from overseas markets, they appreciate the fact that they can navigate the city. Um, depending on their mobility, but they can navigate the city relatively easily. It's easy to walk around if you can, it's easy to take public transportation, you don't need a car, so that enables us to tell the stories about the neighborhoods. Even if you stay in Union Square, go out into the neighborhoods and explore, eat at a different restaurant, go to a bar in the Castro or on Divisadero or on Polk Street. So a big piece of the the work that we do with the travel trade around the world is Organize fam trips, and I apologize in advance because I can never pronounce the um, the real world fam trip stands for familiar familiarization trips. I always stumble over this word. I apologize. What those are essentially educational trips where we invite travel trade professionals to San Francisco to experience the city firsthand, and where we customize an itinerary for these travel trade professionals. Um, We do a number of those every year, and again, a big part of that is really integrate and incorporate small businesses, whether it's restaurants, um, tour companies, sightseeing sightseeing tour companies, but also small merchants in in neighborhoods, because again, we really want to convey and relate the story about San Francisco through all these channels. And what these travel trade professionals then do is they go back and, and incorporate these products and these experiences in their offerings overseas. So, it really helps us again to further the message about San Francisco. And lastly, I d- um, listed here the integrated digital campaigns. Lynn mentioned that earlier as well. We do a number of these campaigns, and what we've really m- focused on over the last few years it make is make these campaigns really creative and and really look at a lot of different elements whether it's the specialized content that we um, that we have through these influencers for example whether we talk about these different neighborhood experiences and um, and really make these these campaigns very unique and very sort of in line with what San Francisco really offers so Um, Really exciting stuff, but again, this is just an additional spotlight of how we really think about small businesses as we do our work on an ongoing basis. And I just have a quick little video here about um, one of the influencers' trips that we did earlier this summer. Just a quick snapshot. There's a lot more footage that we were able to get through these, um, through these people. Really exciting campaign. Um, check out the video. It's on our YouTube channel as well. But thank you for having us. And I'll pass it on to my colleague, Nicole Rogers. Thank you.
9: Hello again. Thank you all for having us. Um, I am Nicole Rogers. I'm Chief Sales Officer for San Francisco Travel. And I just wanted to take you along. That's OK.
10: <laughs> just dun, dun, dun.
9: always goes wrong when I come up um, he, <laughs> s- he did that on purpose okay. uh, so anyway as we said I'm with I'm uh, um, chief sales officer and we mainly do our meetings and conventions for the city um, for us just to give you an idea of who we market towards and who we sell to um, we sell to meeting planners those meeting planners represent corporate accounts association accounts Leisure accounts and mice, mice being meetings, incentives, uh, conferences, and ex- exhibitions. Um, along with those meeting planners, they also take all types of groups, domestic groups. When we're marketing to our domestic groups, we take everything from San Francisco that we that we can sell to that to the leisure traveler, which is the attraction, unique venues. Um, we obviously sell our hotel packages. Off-site events, giving them ideas about um, where they can have any events outside of the hotels, restaurants, and culinary experience. And as you can see, and as this slide is entitled, what we do is we try to make San Francisco very local to somebody that's not local. And um, after we're done with our domestic groups, we also go to our international groups, market towards them. They are much more interested in the culinary experience because they've heard a lot about it. Uh, shopping because it is one of our biggest attractions one of the greatest things that we have in San Francisco makes everything a little bit more fun when you're here on business and um, then of course we also market to the and show off our unique neighborhoods which is something that not a lot of cities can say with all the diverse neighborhoods that they have throughout San Francisco one of the biggest things, obviously, that um, our group does is that we bring in a lot of people that spend a lot of money in San Francisco, and we, you know, you can take a look at everything that's coming in. What what might surprise you is that it looks as if we have the big citywides. And I'll just tell you that we have citywide group, that's pretty much anything that's in Moscone Center, and then we have self-contained group, that's group that's not in Moscone Center. That's really the way that we define it. It's not defined by room nights. Um, But you'll see that we have $1.2 billion in 2019, which was as we've already referenced, one of the heyday of um, the highest year of 10 record breaking years in a row. Um, We definitely went a little bit down when the pandemic came. 2020 saw very few conferences that were in town. Um, We hit 95 million in spending and 2021 was even less because we had not really opened back up. So about $92 million in total spending. What is a little bit off of what you might not believe is that the citywide spend is actually less than the self-contained. And that's just because no matter what the size, self-contained is in every hotel, every neighborhood, everywhere that's going in the people that are that are there if they're not here for a convention, they are normally a small meeting or a leisure group and then out in the neighborhoods spending money. So um, it's just just a difference in what type of group that, that we have and that we catered to, but you know, a lot of money that's brought in through San Francisco through the meetings and conventions. Um, this is just a quick graph just to show you that even on busy days, no matter how busy, or even on a day that that is typically 80% occupancy, because that's about what the average occupancy would be year-round for San Francisco, um, which was, it was in 2019. Um, it's always gonna increase our occupancy overall when we have group in. And um, that's not just because you put group on top of leisure, it's because it also attracts uh, other, other people coming to the town, there's always a busyness. So this graph just shows you that on an average, every single day you can pick the same day of the year if that occupancy is, let's say 80% normally. If you have about 20, 12 to 20,000 group room nights in, the occupancy for um, for us is raised about six percent on average when there's group in town. Same goes for if it's eight thousand, it's um, raised about five and a half percent. And really and truly, the only time that occupancy, the average, is not affected by group is when there's less than five hundred room nights um, in the city. Yeah, go ahead, Sharkey. mm-hmm huh. So it is. What you're saying is the default is
1: eighty percent that's, that's the baseline. Yeah. And then if the baseline is 80% and we have a group coming in with 20,000 people, uh, it'll go up to 87%. So that 20,000 people is good for a 7%
9: boost in you got it. Uh, 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 occupancy. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And this got was it. done over a three year average counting in every single day out of that. Um, it was also done pre pandemic just, um, so that's why the numbers are up in the 80s. And I just wanted to show you just because we have this description of what um, compression is. This is, and you don't have to read through it, but what, what it is is visually there's a radius. And if we do our, if we're talking about citywide group, we're looking at Moscone Center as the radius. And then for everything that goes out, it tells you which neighborhoods it'll hit based on how many room nights are in there. So you can see when we are really uh, compressed, which means we have a lot of hotel rooms and not a lot of availability any, uh, anymore because we have a lot in. Um, it'll reach every neighborhood in the city. It hits the Knob Hill area, financial district, Fisherman's Wharf, Civic Center. I know you all know the neighborhoods, but just kind of a visual graphic as to what compression does to the city. One of the other things that we do is that we're always in touch with our group, uh, our meeting planners, our um, uh, we have a, what we call a customer advisory council, both um, self-contained and citywide. And we try to stay up to date on what our customers are asking for. And we take this information and use it in very various ways. Um, one of them is we had done with our customer advisory council, we had um, gotten the information and shared the information with Lynn and her team as far as what they're looking for in our website, what, they, what they're looking for in restaurants. Um, we also had in the very, um, late stages of the pandemic, we had um, a DEIA meeting with our, um, with heads of the associations that come naturally to San Francisco, just to find out what we're doing right and what we could do better. It was a great uh, experience. We actually had it and and recorded it. And we learned a lot of stuff, especially about what we should have on our website and what we shouldn't and what would take um, these associations, what it would take for them to come to San Francisco. Um, And we're constantly doing this each year, just at least touching base with at least the customers uh, to tell us what's going on and how we can improve San Francisco. We also partner with Lynn to make sure that we are doing um, all that we can to bring uh, folks to San Francisco. And one of the things that Lynn's team developed for us was a group uh, um, kind of commercial that we can use both uh, for attendees coming for conferences and for our local, and for those that are coming for self-contained. Just give you a quick
11: view. San Francisco's happy you're here. Meeting in San Francisco is as exciting as ever. For attendees who've never been, there's so much to discover. If you're having a meeting, you need space. We've got you covered. From gorgeous open air events to intimate gatherings in unique spaces. And of course, there's the Moscone Center. It's gonna be an experience. From epic scenery, dining to the arts, One of the most exciting changes, if I do say so myself, is me. It's not just me, but all the other San Francisco welcome ambassadors. Consider us your official welcome committee. And I almost forgot to mention. Our gate is open. Meet what's possible in San Francisco. I'll see you when you get here.
9: So just, uh, just to reiterate what's going on with our ambassadors, the ambassador program has been extremely beneficial for us as we're trying to recover and come back through. And as people come into the city after the pandemic, um, one of the best things about them is as you can see, I'm not gonna read all of these stats to you, is that they're recommending attractions, museums, local businesses, you can see that over 105,000, and these are 2022 results, um, 105,000 recommendations um, or directions to attractions, museums, uh, 15,000 recommendations for restaurants. And what I have to say, I've been standing on the corner and listening to some of them, and you can go from one corner to the other. Everybody that is an ambassador has an opinion that's (laughs) completely their own, right? So if you're on one corner and you're saying, what's the best place to go to breakfast? They're gonna tell you one place. They come up and they say, oh, we're going to such and such. The other ambassador will say, oh, yeah, that's not the best place. You need (laughs) to go over here. So that's what I love about San Francisco. It's really unique, and this program has helped showcase what's unique about San Francisco. So just a little uh, synopsis on the group, and now I'm going to introduce my colleague, Cassandra Costello.
7: Thank you, Nicole. Good evening, Commissioners, Chair Liguana and Director Tang. Really happy to be here tonight. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm going to close up um, and talk about our Public Policy Division and then leave you with, of course, one last video because you know we love our videos. <laughs> um, so to support all my colleagues' great work, we also represent the voice of the visitor. So we talked about those 26 million visitors who come here. We asked them what their experience was. Would they come back? If they are not going to come back, why is that? And oftentimes, the same feedback we get is probably the same uh, information and the same concerns that you have as small business owners, your employees have, and perhaps your residents and, um, and those that you hear from in your community. The first is clean and safe streets. Um, we, especially during a time of recovery, we know that clean and safe streets are essential to our destination and to our city to live and work here. Um, We're constantly um, stepping in to support different innovative housing solutions, whether that be with resources or programs to make sure that our most vulnerable on our streets, our unhoused population, have different connections to services and housing. Also, solutions for those struggling with mental health and substance abuse. That's also a big part of our advocacy program on the local, state, and federal level. Um, And as we know, all visitors have take different modes of transportation every day. Everyone's a pedestrian at some point in their day. Many people are using our bike network or our public transit system. So we get really excited about investments in public transit. So we're always at the table to talk about different investments in our public transit system and in our roadways to make sure they're safe and efficient to get around. Also, destination development. So that's new product, right, new parks, new open space, new accommodations. Um, new airport infrastructure. These are all things that keep San Francisco growing and innovative and make sure that we remain a top uh, visitor destination and a world-class city. And then lastly, but of course not least, one of the areas that we really value, as you heard from this presentation today, how important the small business community is. We wanna make sure we're here to support you on initiatives that are important to have your businesses thrive. And that could be on you know resource allocation or grants, or it could be on things like the shared spaces programming or Prop with streamlining um, business permitting or thinking of ways to activate vacant storefronts. So we're here, Um, I hope you count on us as a partner um, and thank you so much for your time today. We're gonna close with our always welcome video and then we're of course happy to answer any questions that you have.
12: We're all different. We have different backgrounds. We like to do different things and we come from different places san francisco doesn't just welcome our differences we encourage them we celebrate them we even throw parties for them it's who we've always been and who we always will be because no matter who you are or where you're from you're always welcome to go wherever you want to go and be whoever you want to be. It's not just our philosophy, it's our promise. Because this is San Francisco. We're always open, always inviting, and you're always welcome. Never the same, always San Francisco.
1: Fantastic. Thank you. Um, I'm a former musician. Uh, We have another former musician uh, slash current musician uh, (laughs) on the commission. Um, I just have to say, before before we get any comments or questions, uh, SF Travel's music game is on point. On
10: point. (laughs) On point.
1: (laughs) Really, really good. Like, actually, like, it's rare that I'm actively impressed. But uh, that UK (laughs) spot, in particular, was. Those are some serious players, am Uh, I right?
10: Oh, I was feeling it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay,
1: Uh, Commissioners, do we have any uh, questions or or comments for people? Uh, Commissioner Carter.
13: Great presentation. I've been waiting for you guys to come. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I saw a lot of representation in the slides that you guys showed today. I think I would like to see more um, when I'm visiting the website as far as like restaurants and um, just speaking for the African-American community, I would love to see more black-owned restaurants. And um, I know for me, if I was looking at the website, I wouldn't necessarily feel like as like, um, as a place where I would, I don't know, what's the word? How could I put it? I wouldn't necessarily think like, oh, San Francisco has a black community. I wouldn't necessarily get that looking at the website. And then I think I'm also interested in knowing like, where are you guys? How are you guys marketing to like black communities and other um, diverse communities? Like what markets are you guys um, marketing to besides I know you guys said um, out of the country? Like so
3: else? so we market up uh, so first of all i don't know if you've been to our website but it yeah was i'm just, actually oh you're on it right, oh, right on now, it right now. Yeah. okay um so it, it was just redesigned um we um but we are currently marketing domestically so we market through social media and digital um we typically market to like adults 25 to 54. so because of the way our funding is set up we can't go into very, very specific markets. We, we try to cast a wide net but have um, the actual content itself speak to specific audiences.
13: Yeah, like I would love to see marketing in like maybe Atlanta. You know, I hear it a, a lot when people come to San Francisco, black people very specifically, they say, where's the black community? Where are you guys? Like, so I would love to see um, rep more representation in those areas as far as tourism to, for people that come here to know that there is black businesses here, there is a black community, and that is represented. Um, even in this video, too. Like, I want to see more representation, more diverse, but I think it's great. <laughs> okay, thank you.
1: Commissioner Huey.
13: Thank you.
6: Thank you very much for the presentation. I also am i um, super inspired to visit San Francisco now. So, um, you know, one of the initiatives that I've been working on um, in the past, I guess, year or so has been um, looking at our neighborhoods, specifically Chinatown, and then um, doing some work in the Richmond District um, on how travel and tourism could recover um, in a way... In which the story is told by the residents themselves and by the community themselves are there opportunities um i know you had kind of started the presentation with opportunities for partnership where are the opportunities for our small business corridors to be able to partner with your organization to really share our stories either in um, commissioner carter's neighborhood or or um, any of our commissioner neighborhoods to um to a greater audience from our own uh, point of view
3: So I did share with you um, this section, um, how I see San Francisco and I am San Francisco. So if you go to our website, um, you will find the links to those stories. So we're always consistently inviting residents. We're, we're looking for new voices to feature as part of um, those series. So um, they can work with us to tell their stories um, through, through that content that we, we publish on our website.
6: So generally just contacting you directly, like the individual uh, projects or, oh,
3: go ahead. Yeah, they could, um, they can reach out to me, so um, I will be sure that you have contact information and then I can um, share them, the names with my team. Okay, thank you. So
2: just want to add too that we are a membership-based organization, so we're required to focus a lot on our our members, which we, we do, but we also work with associations business groups, neighborhood business associations, all that to get those stories out there. So really what we need and we're always looking for is content. You know, we, it's hard for us to write, create the content and avoid. We need the content to come from the businesses, come from the neighborhoods itself, to provide it for us that we could include on the website. The website that you're looking at was just launched two weeks ago, so it's very, you know, nascent and we're still looking for a lot more contact to, ha- to get. So I would encourage anybody to give us as much contact as we, as we can have because that's really makes the, the website and our messaging really robust to a w- much wider audience.
6: And prior to pandemic, I know you had different neighborhood grant programs and small business grant programs. Do you, I guess one is, um, how effective were those, were were you able to see any sort of, um, you know, positive relationships arise from those and would those be something that you would want to continue should they have had a positive impact?
2: Yeah. So unfortunately, that was one of the programs that went away when our uh, budget we get funded through when people stay in hotels. So our budget currently is about half of what it was before the pandemic. We had a staff of one hundred and five people. Now we have a staff of less than 50. So we're still in our own world recovering from where where we uh, um, were. But the, the grant program is something that really helped, I think, connect us to small businesses in a, in a greater way. What we find in those of you who have small businesses, my family, you know, I grew up in a family of small business owners, realize that a lot of small business owners don't have time to do a lot of other stuff. They're focused on their business and they got to stay there. And you know what, and deal with whatever's happened at their business, so a lot of times that working with the neighborhood associations, the merchants associations, really does help because they're able to provide a little bit more of the resources of telling that story for the neighborhood. So um, you know the, the grant program may come back um, once our funding comes back in a more robust way, uh, but right now it was really we're dependent on those business associations and neighborhood associations to help work, work with us to tell the stories.
6: Thank you very much,.: Great. Sure. Right. Uh,
1: Vice President Zunas, and then um, just uh, commissioners, just uh, uh, we're running a little behind schedule here, so just. uh,
14: You got it. Thank you uh, for the presentation. Uh, Really good questions from my uh, fellow commissioners here. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing, like where do we pitch? Um, You know, because there's so much great content that that we could pitch and um, just more information on how you choose your curated experiences that you create. Um, would help small businesses be able to pitch to you. Um, let me help you with the last video because the Arabic font was broken. <laughs> so before you release it, um, we should double check that. But it was amazing to see somebody from my community. I saw you had um, a hijabi woman in there, so that was really neat. Uh, I've never seen that in an ad for San Francisco. So. Um, but yeah, happy to help you with the the font. Duly <laughs> the noted. Font. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And just, uh,
13: I'll yeah, I'll. We can talk the rest online. But thank you so much.
1: Great. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you,
2: Commissioner Carter.
13: I just have a quick question: Is it all online, or do you guys have any printed materials?
2: Printed materials, we do have some, not to the level that we had at one point. We used to print. Mm-hmm. Um, brochures, magazines, maps, everything. Most people now are looking for digital versions of it, handheld, Um, so we're really focused on making it really easily accessible to people, really the way that they want to have it. Um, we have offices, uh, represented offices overseas that does not translate our material, but creates it new with the perspective and an eye from, from that particular market. So a lot of our stuff, whether it's in Chinese or Mandarin or Spanish or, or or whatever Portuguese, whatever language it is, it's written from the perspective of those things, but it's all primarily digital because that's the main distribution source for, for those types of that.
1: Thank you. Uh, Joe, before you go, just one, two. Two very quick questions. One, um, to Commissioner Carter's point, are you sensing or seeing any changes in the international uh, tourism market uh, that um, visitors? It's it's very currently uh, very Fisherman's Wharf centric. Um, Certainly, we want to see a lot of visitors to to Fisherman's Wharf. But are are you detecting any interest or curiosity in? expanding beyond that to other cultural um, exploring or uh, do you sense any uh, sense that that international visitors are wanting to go beyond just sort of the the typical uh, tourist markets?
2: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, they're one of the more attractive markets because of that. Not all countries right now are willing to go out. Some countries um, are more focused on staying closer in with their own uh, groups of people where they feel comfortable with the language or or whatever the case may be. They want to travel in groups and have um, guides telling them explaining what's going on. Other ones that have more English ability or are more comfortable like to stay in uh, short-term rentals, for example, out in neighborhoods, because that's how they get to experience um, uh, those uh, models. We found out after the pandemic, um, and we're still not, we, Europe came back in a significant way this last year. Um, we have more in seats in the markets like London in 2022 than we did in 2019, which is pretty remarkable. Asia Pacific has not come back. Um, you've heard all the stories about Japan China just opening uh, the market right now, but it's still difficult. People have to test. Uh, to get back into the country and there's a lot of challenges w- with getting visas into the United States. The visa backlog is over a 400 days to get a visa. If you want to come here to the United States from China right now and, and Brazil and some other markets, India, um, you have to wait 400 days to get a visa. So there are a lot of challenges that we're dealing with in the international market. Hopefully that's going to be uh, improving over time. Um, but that international visitor does tend to be more adventuresome when they want to get out and explore and especially some, some very specific markets that just want to be on their own they don't want to travel in groups they want to find their american experience that little bit of americana on their own but yeah
1: yeah uh, and uh, i think I, d- I did want to re-emphasize what you said for our commissioners here which is that you guys are hungry for content yep. um, and that's an opportunity for uh our various uh, communities that we represent to help encourage people to provide that content and that, you know, we can help drive our own success in terms of bringing people to um, uh, the different neighborhoods. And Joe, last question, Um, uh, I noticed on the slide you guys are are going after 2020 uh, spending uh, from uh, federal government uh, to help uh, drive uh, convention business and, and, and so on. What can we do to help
2: that's that's great uh, great question one to for providing content for any former musicians who are on the commission if you want to provide <laughs> you know, to write something for us for our videos that'd be great we'd love that i'm not good enough <laughs> you know i think the biggest thing is advocating um for you know telling the story um that san francisco is open um we are getting beat up in the press um, especially domestically not so much internationally It's a little bit different international market than it is domestically but we are getting beat up it's hard it's it's painful and even when we do a a campaign like we're about ready to launch it doesn't counter some of this negative press that's out there all the time so I think we have as San Franciscans and you know my grandparents immigrated here in 1909 and a very proud San Franciscan um, you know we have to be able to be proud of the city and we have to be able to tell these stories all of us have to be ambassadors Um, all of us have to tell the stories about our you know, the, st- the shops that we like to go to, put it on our social media ourselves. We're all ambassadors for this city. And I think if we all help to tell the story about what makes San Francisco so, so special to our networks, that's what convinced people to, to come back. You know, it, it's, it's the old adage in, in tourism. If you have a good experience somewhere, you tell two or three people. If you had a bad one, you tell 10 or 20. And, um, and so we have to be able to tell that good experience to people until, you know, let people know that San Francisco is a pretty remarkable place. It still is, and it will continue to be.
1: Couldn't agree more. Joe, thank you, and thank all your team. Uh, We're we're going to check in on public comment uh, before moving to the... Thank you all.
0: If, If there's anybody in the room for public comment, please come up to the podium, and then
5: we'll take people online. Hello, commissioners. Hello, SF Travel. Uh, uh, I'm here today representing the Glen Park Merchants Association and the San Francisco Council of District Merchants, but I feel compelled to speak up for the industry that I come from, which is uh, food retail. And um, uh, for all of the 30-something years that I've lived in San Francisco, I've attended the... uh, Fancy food show, which is put on by the Specialty Food Association, and um, it is uh, a real shame that that has moved for the last two years to Las Vegas. And one of the um, the barriers that um, I didn't see addressed in your in your slide presentation is the the cost for exhibitors uh, to come and uh, present at a trade show like that. Um, the cost of just uh, shipping, your, uh, shipping your booth supplies and your products to Moscone Center are just uh, so much greater than they are in a place like Las Vegas. Um, the cost to the uh, attendees I don't think is such a barrier because San Francisco is such a compelling destination. And for our industry in particular, It's very compelling because of our incredible food scene, and then the regional, um, uh, you know, plethora of uh, producers, and um, just something that you just don't get in Nevada. So, um, I just wanted to put a plug in for that um, because it makes me quite sad (laughs) that um, that this great show is not here anymore. So, thank you.
1: Thank you, Janet. Is there any commenters online? There are none. Okay. Uh, Thank you again, everybody. Thank you for your time. Uh, We appreciate all the work you do, and um, thank you for for, uh, sharing all this with us. We feel much better informed and uh, uh, also very entertained, uh, particularly (laughs) by the music and videos. So thank you. Next item, please.
0: Item three, introduction and discussion with District Attorney Brooke Jenkins. This is a discussion item. The commission will discuss ongoing challenges that small businesses face with the San Francisco District Attorney Brooke Jenkins. Presenting today, we have District Attorney Brooke Jenkins.
15: Hi, good evening everyone. Hello. Um, thank you for having me to come and speak. Uh, I am of the opinion that the, one of the most unique things about San Francisco uh, is the small business community. Um, I was born and raised in the East Bay, where chains are <laughs> more of the signature uh, big box. Um, and what I've loved about living in the city is having access to so many different specialty businesses and independently owned businesses and so as the da uh, i feel it our responsibility as a da's office to make sure that we are protecting that part of san francisco's identity uh, as i've gone around um, and met with members and stakeholders all over this city uh, one of the things that i did after first being appointed was to go around and meet with um, small, small business community associations um, We met, you know, uh, Janet, uh, amongst others, um, early on. I think it was my first couple of weeks in office. And so um, I wanted to make sure that I was going around listening to small business owners across the city to find out what the challenges were that they had been experiencing. Because while there is some overlap in each community, sometimes things are different. And some of the things that I heard um, across the board were things that I didn't necessarily expect I would hear right we would anticipate hearing theft being one of the big issues Um, but what i encountered were um, people saying that graffiti was one of the main issues that they were confronted with not only their storefronts themselves but neighboring storefronts that might be empty and what it was doing to the uh to the community as a whole to make it look um you know less safe to make it look um less friendly and inviting. And so what I have tried to do is to, is to really go down the list of what the priorities were that were in common across the, the various business small business communities and then take that back t- to my office as we meet with the police department to discuss how we were going to prioritize those issues. And so, for instance, graffiti, as I said, being one of the main issues, small business owners saying, look, when somebody spray paints uh, you know, our, our storefront, we then get hit right with a, with a notice that if we don't clean it off within a certain period of time that we will be issued a fine. And so trying to make sure that we as a, as a DA's office are actually addressing uh, that problem. What I came to learn was that we actually had ceased prosecuting that type of vandalism, which was surprising to me. And it was something that we prosecuted when I... Was in misdemeanors, and of course you weren't putting people who tagged into jail. You were routing them through a community service program, but trying to, um, as an office now, recreate that program and make sure that we are holding those folks accountable, um, so that our our business community is not being affected in the way that it is. And so that is something that we immediately began working on to make sure that we were being supportive in that regard. Um, one of the other issues, uh, like I said, more commonly would be theft. Um, and ensuring that we once again have consequences for people who steal. Um, of course, it is it is one of the the main issues across I think every type of of store, um, big retailers and small, uh, making sure that we protect. Um, You know, our small businesses in particular who can not afford from a bottom line standpoint to withstand the amount of theft that even some of our chains, you know, withstand. And so I met with a number of independent business owners. I've done merchant walks across the city who have said, look, right, when when three or four objects get stolen from my store, that impacts the bottom line for the entire day. And so trying to make sure that we are meeting with the police department to ensure that there are more foot patrols in certain areas, but also helping the business owners understand how they can assist in ensuring that policing is effective, um, who they need to contact, making sure that maybe they even have a particular liaison at – their district assigned district station so that it's not simply that they're placing a call for service and they're waiting two or three hours before somebody responds and so really working with what the protocols and procedures will be um, with our small business community along with the police to ensure a a quicker response and a more effective ability by the police to actually catch who's stealing Um, and of course if we can recover the items immediately that That helps the bottom line of the business because hopefully it's something they can put back on the shelf. Um, Some of the other issues, of course, that we've heard is um, illegal vending going on in some areas of the city. Now, that one is more challenging, and that is one that certainly um, in my office I would be willing to to assist in dealing with, but where we have more of the issue is the policing side and that uh, the city has passed Uh, resolutions that make it difficult, if not impossible, for the police to enforce um, or to be a part of the enforcement of illegal vending um, across the city. And so it's a challenge that I think needs to be more broadly discussed uh, because they certainly have been removed from that equation, but it's something that, as we all know, obstructs people from walking down the street. They're selling items sometimes that perceivably have been stolen from stores um, but also are selling items that you would normally go into a store to purchase and if you're buying it more cheaply on the street um, you're not going into the store to purchase them Um, but but one thing that I do want to you know help the city understand and the residents and the business owners understand is that much of the power to police that issue was removed from the San Francisco Police Department um, in an effort uh, I think to decrease um, police involvement in certain issues in the city but what it's done is to paralyze in a a large way the city's ability to deal with that problem and so it's something that I think people need to be aware of and that we're going to have to probably address as it becomes a growing problem certainly in the mission is one of the main areas but also at Fisherman's Wharf we're seeing you know a lot of issues with that Um, I know that I I think some folks wanted to hear more about what we're trying to do in the mission. Um, Certainly, I know I've met with the Missions Merchants Association a number of times already. Um, We had an in-depth sort of conversation about a month ago uh, myself and just you know only in, in that merchants association we've also met uh, more broadly with the other department heads um, across the city including dpw dph the mayor's office the police department we're getting ready to have another one of those meetings i believe this week um, to discuss the state of affairs in the mission um, one thing that we've tried to really address um, of course there uh, is the prostitution issue um, trying to figure out what the strategies will be we've had a number of meetings um, surrounding that issue with the cap street residents but also um, with the business owners and, and other stakeholders in that community um, one thing that I'm really proud of is that we're working really closely with San Francisco police to discuss um, how we can Right, effectively sort of uh, reduce some of these issues through law enforcement means. Uh, you know, again, we try to be transparent with what the challenges are. Um, we just, as a state, uh, signed a bill that um, no longer makes loitering for the purpose of prostitution a crime. So, no longer can police pull up, right, and, and um, detain a sex worker right, who appears to be uh, a sex worker on the street for for loitering for those purposes. And so it's a challenge that we have to work around. All of us, you know, many of us probably understand the spirit of what, as a state, we were trying to do. Um, But it creates hurdles uh, for law enforcement to try to address some of these issues that are really plaguing some of our communities, particularly in the mission here in San Francisco. But we're working closely to try to, one, make sure that if we believe women are being trafficked, to try to give them access to resources and of course um, create strategies around um, dealing with them you know the 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 John's who are coming through the neighborhoods and and really creating traffic issues perception issues all all the other things that are happening Um, drug use and violence certainly an issue um, with the drug dealing the drug use the violence um, all around the city Soma the mission the tenderloin and so one The main pledge that I've given this city is that we will have appropriate accountability across the board. Um, I've been clear that doesn't mean the same thing in each and every case, right? It doesn't mean everybody goes to jail. It doesn't mean um, that everybody goes to diversion. It's case by case. It's what we think people need. If people need treatment, we're trying our best to identify who those people are and route them to treatment. Um, If we feel that we have repeat offenders who are choosing just simply not to respect the law here that we address them in the way that they need to be addressed. Um, But it's certainly something that is not just a focus for us with the tenderloin, but, but certainly the other communities that are suffering much of the same. And so that's where I have, I've spent a lot of time meeting with the small business community in the mission in, in the south of market area, in the tenderloin, understanding that if people don't feel safe to park their cars and walk, right? 100 feet to go to a restaurant or to go um into a business that it's going to cause right our businesses to close up and to leave and so i recognize the responsibility that we have to this community Um, You know, not just folks who are walking down the street, but to the business community to make sure that we are creating an environment where people not only want to come to shop, but feel safe to come to shop to eat um, and to do all those things that we want them to do. And so that has been much of our focus is trying to one by one work on those issues um, to ensure that. We're addressing the demand, right, the the drug dealers, but also really trying to capture our folks who are struggling with addiction um, and not just leave them languishing on the street, but to intervene um, when we feel it's necessary so that they can be routed into treatment. And so one of the ways that we are doing that is uh, San Francisco police has started citing public drug use Um, and so we have said we started off with a threshold of five that if somebody was cited five times for publicly ingesting drugs that we would then um, charge a case with those uh, citations and route them into one of our treatment courts Uh, over uh, the five months that we watched that policy be in effect uh, we saw that five appear to be too high Um, We just weren't capturing hardly anyone. We had a number of people. We had over 20 people who had three citations. Um, We had a handful who had four, but five was was just not capturing anyone. And as I went around the city, people were expressing... um, dissatisfaction with the threshold being that high, and I'll tell you, I thought uh, when I enacted that policy, I was gonna hear the reverse, that I shouldn't be doing anything at all, but instead people were very frustrated with the fact that the threshold was so high all across even the most progressive of of communities in San Francisco. And so I said, look, I wanna watch and see how this plays out. I don't want a policy just for the sake of saying one, I want one that's going to be effective. And so I recently reduced that threshold to three, So that we could be capturing and intervening um, in the lives of our most vulnerable who are dying on the street and who, you know, quite honestly, um, for so many business owners are struggling to figure out, right, what do we do, right, with our building lines being filled by people um, who are slumped over and really struggling uh, with addiction and so that is what we are doing in from the DA's office standpoint to intervene I certainly am not trying to send folks who are in these positions to jail our goal is simply to get them help and so um, I think we're going to see that intervention hopefully take hold um, as we send them into treatment and hopefully get them on the road to recovery so that's a lot of what I've been doing to try to support the small business community here Um, and like I said listening Listening is is half the battle, is knowing what uh, our business community is experiencing so that we can sit down at the table with SFPD in particular and map out joint priorities because if if the right hand's priority is different from the left, we're never going to get the job done. And so that's what we're doing these days. Thank
1: Thank you. you. Uh, Commissioners, any questions?
15: Commissioner Dickerson.
10: Thank you. Hi, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it and all the effort that you are doing to um, uh, make it easier for us small businesses to continue to provide services to our communities. I know for uh, me that my small business is in the Bayview, and I didn't hear you mention anything about the level of violence that we experience in the Bayview. Um, I'm on the corner of 3rd and Newcomb. And so my experiences are literally seeing young women with these handguns shooting on the corner or having people run in, like this morning, run in. this woman got pistol whipped and head butted and had a gash probably an inch thick on her nose. Sure, it was broken and a gash in her head probably two inches wide and running into my business for safety reasons. Um, I can go on and on about what I have visually seen with people literally losing their lives on the corner and gunshots and reckless driving. Now, of course, all of that can't be controlled by a legislation. I I get that. Um, But I didn't hear it mentioned, and I think it's one of the biggest um, things that affects our community in the Bayview is the violence. And so I would love to hear, um, and I've also been in, you know the meetings with the chief of police and the police department with how we're neat. I know we're we're low In police staffing, I get it But what what kind of makes me scratch my head is how we have in the Bayview Probably the highest in violence at this point. I could be wrong, but I know what I no, experience right. And they're not being enough police activity or the visual um, presence of police there in, in the Bayview when we are small businesses literally can't operate because we have the, the level of loitering and um, just the non-responsiveness, um, whether it's due to lack of policing or whatever, but I, I, would, I would think it would be a priority. Being that we're experiencing it at this level where it's affecting small businesses, literally being able to either be open or operate or customers not being afraid to be able to come into the businesses. Um, And so I would love to to hear what you have to say about that. Yes, and absolutely. For me
15: personally, um, the Bayview is very much a focus. Um, Certainly the gun violence issue, I think you know, I was just actually doing an interview before I came here where I said, I think we've gotten to the point in society where people just say that's what goes on in that neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. In, in, that being one of the neighborhoods, where that, that's just what happens there. So it's not a priority. And me knowing better, right, as a black woman that um, my, my husband's family heavily being from the Bayview, um, that that's not acceptable. And we can't take that view. Um, of course, a role is the prosecution side of things and making sure that we enforce right, gun laws and we, we deal with all those things. But from, from my vantage point, that's half the battle. Um, what I am trying to do also right now is to build out what our community footprint will be so that our young folks um, have a greater hope for access mm-hmm. to the American dream so that they feel like they have something to lose by engaging in this conduct, right? But when you feel like you have nothing to lose, then this is just what you do. And so and this is what what society is telling you that you should do and that it's okay. And so right now the big focus is, right, building out what that footprint is going to look like, working with community-based organizations, having our own signature program as a DA's office, um, where we are committing more resources to the prevention side to get folks, You know, I have a meeting on my calendar tomorrow, as a matter of fact, about gun violence in the Bayview. to be honest, um, with folks from the community. I I don't want to just talk to talking heads. I want folks from the street to come in and tell us, what do we need to do to help get this situation under control? Uh, Because it's not just going to be legislation or putting people in jail. It's going to be other things that we have to do. And so that has been my commitment, because I tell you every time I'm there, right, I'm hearing what you're saying. from a lot of different vantage points, be it kids going to school, be it even meal service, people saying, you know, we wanna go deliver meals to elderly people, but the people who wanna go out to deliver are scared that they're gonna get hit in the crossfire, right, of of gunshots. And so trying to take more ownership of how we embed ourselves in the community to get that under control, quite frankly, because you're right. The zip code for Hunters Point Bayview contains the largest number of reported crimes and is one of the largest areas of victims that we serve as a DA's office. And that never gets talked about, never. And so I've tried to make it clear um, that we cannot disregard that, that simply because some of these areas, particularly Sunnydale, Bayview, um, Fillmore even, are not necessarily as organized to the point that they can scream and shout the loudest with a press conference doesn't mean we as city leaders don't need to be responsive to their needs. And so um, it certainly is a priority for me, and every day um, is something that we're working on on a lot of levels in the office to figure out how to resolve. And the police issue, if I can just touch on that, um, I think one thing I want to say is we need to be mindful of conflicting messages that come not just from our community, because I think our community is pretty clear on what they want, but I think people try to speak for our community and make, it, and make statements that are not consistent with what the community is saying. When I'm in the Bayview, I hear, we don't see enough patrols. We might see patrols during the day, but we don't see them at night, which is when most of the shootings happen. Um, we want to see police, but there are other voices saying black people hate police, they don't want police, don't send the police there, etc. And so I think what we know um, is that we want proper policing, we want fair policing, we want appropriate policing. We don't want to be right we don't want racial profiling, we don't want excessive force, but we understand the need for policing in our communities and there are, there are People sending mixed messages, and I think um, having having the community be clear to law enforcement about what they want for themselves will make a huge difference.
10: And I think what's important and what you're saying is, yeah, we know what we want, but we know what we don't want. And I think the message needs to be what we don't want. You know, of course, I mean, there's going to be conflicting, you know. uh, Interest in it because everybody's really looking out for what's going to be best. I mean It is pretty scary when you're having to deal with people walking around with guns in their hands And you're just not knowing what's going to happen next there needs to be Accountability for these things and so you know what's important to me hearing you talk about these things is that violence has to be on your list of, oh, of yeah. Things that needs to be addressed. It should be right there with you know, the graffiti and the theft and the, all of the other things. So I think that's really what I'm wanting to emphasize. It needs to be right there with the, the list.
15: Yeah, and you know, I, I thank you for, for tying it in with the business part, because for me, compartmentalizing, for me, it's, it's its own separate category that I was viewing uniquely from the small business community. And so you have helped me sort of bridge that gap. As a, as a small business owner, to, to see the impacts that it's having on you, because so much of my conversation surrounding gun violence and what's going on is the mothers bearing their children, right? The people being shot, the, the kids who are, you know, hearing gunshots but having to wake up and go to school the next day. And so I really appreciate you actually tying the two together for me, because I'll be honest, I was seeing it as a separate, its own separate thing.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Commissioner Carter.
13: Thanks for being here. I actually no was at your inauguration. It was beautiful. Oh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, yeah. So I actually um, born and raised in Bayview, and I can definitely speak volumes. Um, to what Commissioner Dickerson just said, um, but I think yes tying the violence to the business, especially in the bayview is is of high importance. I know for me um, i wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable opening up in a neighborhood I was born and raised in you know it 's a lot of lottering going on, so it deters people f- you know foot traffic and things like that, in the Bayview is a is a is a big issue. You know, how can we pitch when SF visit SF come here to tell people to come visit and as much as I'm going to do it anyway. like, <laughs> You know, I got to be real, you know, so th- those are the issues. And then that affects black business, you know, and, and our bottom line and, and having tourism come come to Bayview into um, into our communities. And then I'm also in a tenderloin smack dab in the the tenderloin so i see a lot every day um more my concerns is more um of course the open up the open-air drug dealing and then the drug use like you know how are we really sending a message like don't come to san francisco to do drugs which i think a lot of that is going on like every day when i'm getting out the car this is what I gotta walk through It's like, you know, people literally just hung over on drugs. You know, we had someone overdose in our restroom. So now no one wants to go in that restroom anymore. Like we had to close down for days. Like I'm from San Francisco. So I think um, I have a different level of what I could take, which is like not even something to be proud about, you know, but like, and then I think another issue just, um, It's justice with the black community. I think people look at us from a very different side. Like, you know, we want to, I've never saw justice. Never, you know? Like I've been a victim of of a lot of things growing up in Bayview Hunters Point. Like, so I think our communities want to see justice um, just across the board. So thank you for being here. Thank you for what you're doing. I know you got um, your work cut out for you. (laughs) but I think you can do it.
15: (laughs) Yeah, thank you. No, and I I understand that that's a part of why I fought so hard um, for this office and for this city was because victims, certainly victims of color across the board were being ignored. Um, And that's every color. Um, And so knowing you know, the first time I heard somebody say whose child was murdered in San Francisco, I knew we were disadvantaged as black people when we were defendants. But now I see we're disadvantaged when we're victims. Right. If that doesn't resonate, yeah. I, I don't know what will. And so my goal is to make sure, as a DA's office, we are looking at all three things: which is what's just and fair to the victim, what's just and fair to the person accused, and what's best for our city as a whole. We have to look at all three layers um, to get to the right outcome. So that's my goal. Yes, the open air drug markets, um, as you all know, has been a priority since day one, um, understanding that right? Unless we deal with that, we're never going to, you can't expect anybody to stay in recovery when every 10 steps down the street, they're being offered their next fix. Um, and two, it's just unacceptable, right? It, it's completely unacceptable what's going on. We have blocks covered 30 drug dealers at a time, children trying to walk to school, businesses trying to stay open. And so for me, it has been c- repeated meetings with SFPD, um, not only from our vantage point in the DA's office of what appropriate consequences are, but working with them to make sure that, you know, the operations that they're undertaking are what they need to be for us to be able to prove cases, right? And and sitting down and saying what we've seen as prosecutors over the years and weighing in. And so I think we're going to get there. It's just, it's a, it's a slow process um, of teaching people that, um, I tell Sheriff Miyamoto, don't be offended, but that there's a new sheriff in town and uh, that, you know, we have rules again. We have rules in this city um, and we can still be fair, but have those rules.
13: And I'll just say one last thing, because... um... I don't necessarily agree with the more policing. I see police out there every day and it's still a lot going on every day. The police station is right in the tenderloin. So um, I think more community policing. My daughter is actually a SFPD cadet, you know, and both of her parents are straight out of Hunters Point. (laughs) So, you know, it is um, a lot of good officers that's doing a lot of great things. So I will say um, we need more community policing, I see a lot of um, officers that's just not in touch with what's going on in San Francisco.
15: Yeah, and we have to do better. And I think one thing that even I as a prosecutor am doing, not just leaving that to the police, but saying we have to have prosecutors who come from the communities that we serve, right? Um, And so I, I most certainly agree with that, that it can't just be that we wait for people to come to us, but that we extend ourselves to say, historically, you may not see you know, law enforcement as a career path or as something you would aspire to do. But we need, if you're really going to change the way that law enforcement exists, it requires people from the communities, right, to come into law enforcement. So um, I 100% agree. And I'm, I'm certainly from the DA's office perspective trying to make sure we are recruiting. You got
1: Tiffany. I'm done. Okay. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Herbert.
16: Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much because you have got the toughest job <clears throat> in the city, I think. Um,
17: and and secondly, it's not a linear equation, right? So it it just seems like there needs to be a network of communication throughout the city between all these different departments because I've been in business for over 20 years in the intersection of the Castro and the Mission and when we complain about houselessness or you know houseless people and theft and stuff one department doesn't talk to the other mm-hmm. and so I think there just has to be a lot more communication and collaboration and I do think we need more police officers, actually, um, but community policing. And I remember coming to the city uh, in my 20s, and I saw gay police officers in the Castro. And I was like, whoa, oh my god, that's so amazing, <laughs> right? So I think you know, whether it's the Bayview or the Castro or the Mission, if, if somehow we can attract more people that want to have careers as police officers yeah. and make it more about community policing, um, make it an attractive career
15: well one thing that i will tell you that i'm that i'm focused on certainly from the prosecutorial side and and like i said we're, we're trying to work um, as closely as we can with police but we are two different agencies um is to start internship programs for high school students, right? You have to recruit young. You can't wait until somebody is 25 to say, hey, think about doing this. Um, you have to plant the seed while they're young and expose them um, to what these opportunities are and to how you can make a difference uh, from within instead of, right, just looking at the bad. And so um, it's certainly uh, what we are working on and I've, I've said we will do in the DA's office is to have, you know, either partner with a particular high school or multiple to make sure um, that we are bringing our kids into this office to expose them to what we do so that they can see themselves in these roles. Because historically, I mean, I, I never would have thought to become a prosecutor, ever. Um, and as a matter of fact, when I decided to become one, a lot of the blowback I got was, but you're black. Why would you ever like be a prosecutor? And I said, look. Would you rather me not? Who would you rather see, right, holding that case file? And so um, it's really helping our kids see themselves in these roles in a different way. Um, And so, you know, that's one thing that I'm certainly invested in and that I've been trying to recruit even when I wasn't the DA. Um, And so I think over time we'll get there as long as the city agencies make an investment in, in that recruiting process and in that seed planting uh you spoke about um interdepartment communication and i the first sort of area where i saw that be forced was the mission where they the Mer- the merchants association said we are calling all of you to the table in the same room there won't be any deflection finger finger pointing because somebody's not there we're all going to talk in this room And if if so-and-so's telling me it's this other agency who's responsible, where then there they are to speak for themselves and say yay or nay. And so I, as I've gone around since then and seeing sort of that model, I've really encouraged other um, districts and areas to sort of do the same, because I think that's what we need. We need everybody at the same table, taking ownership of what their lane is, where there's intersection, talking about how we'll be aligned, um, but working on a unified strategy.
16: Thank you.
1: Thank you. Commissioner Huey.
6: Thank you so much for coming today. Um, You know, I had my name on the list earlier, but I wanted to really listen to what everybody had brought. And, um, you know, one of the things that I want to, I guess, like appreciate about you is that, you know, I. I get the sense, I've followed you around, like I'm at like all these events and I see you and I listen to you speak, but I never like come up because I just am
15: like. You're at a um, lot of events then.
6: Yeah, no, well, <laughs> well, I'm not at all those events. I um, And you know, I get the sense that you came into this role out of responsibility and, um, and I can really appreciate that, um, you know, what you're doing in representation is so important for everybody, for all of us. And so I just really wanted to appreciate you for that. Um, now that I get to talk to you, not one on one, but in front of everybody. <laughs> um, and, you know, we had this great presentation from SF Travel, and the one heart that I wrote on this page was actually not from their presentation, but from when you talked about um, the metrics in, in drug use and how you actually adjusted behavior and adjusted. Um, you know behavior for your department and i think that's really important um when it comes to some of these things that we're doing for the very first time right like to be able to police in a way that respects the humans that live here yeah. and the lives that are actually being affected that's not something that's been done in the past and that's not something that we're going to get right today Right, But it's something that I think we're going to need to continually adjust. And so I can appreciate that um, that tailoring that you're offering. Um, and I'm excited to see that be a playbook for our city because we need to be able to recognize that we're not gonna succeed every single day, but we have right. to be able to kind of have metrics and and mechanisms i think for us to have feedback so that we can adjust those things so that like when we watch the S of travel video we're not um we're not like yeah that looks amazing um what's on the outside of <laughs> this picture yeah. Yeah. you know because we see it and i think it not only like you know sometimes frightens us or you know or um frustrates us, but it really is heartbreaking because I think the things that you're saying you know, that, that I know you experience, you know, and that you see in your business, like that should be heartbreaking to every, everybody. Yeah. So I yeah. think, um, you know, less so a question in that remark, but much more like, you know, thank you and um, and whatever, you know, our small business community can do to be a partner in that, you know, I would love to um, also be a part of.
15: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It, it is a, um, it's a tough job. It, it is. Um, I will say to anyone in my office uh, that if they tell me as a prosecutor their job is easy, then they're not doing it right. It is a tough balance um, to figure out what is fair. Right, but yet how you still improve communities um, and the conditions that people are living in. When I go into meetings and people are in tears because they can't tolerate any longer the gun violence, the the this, the that, right? Um, I do feel a sense of obligation to figure out how to make their lives better. And without it being just the strong hand of law enforcement raining down on them, right? Raining down on people, Uh, but figuring out what that balance is Um, which is, is a daunting task, but is one that I think we can achieve if we work together and if we are flexible, right? And some people might attribute it to maybe my greenness as, (laughs) as a politician. But, um, I just feel like when you stick your heels in the ground and just hold your position just for the sake of holding it, um, that that's not necessarily best for everyone. And so you have to be flexible enough to admit when something's not working and recalibrate constantly, right, to figure out what the solution is. And so that's what I've committed to San Francisco that I will do is to constantly recalibrate so that we can get this right and so that people can feel safer regardless of what community they live in and have it not just be that, well, if you live in this particular area of the city that's more affluent than you can feel safe, but not other people. Um, have everybody, regardless of their race, feel seen and feel heard, right? Um, that's what I want for this city, and that's what I feel like I owe San Francisco. Um, certainly certainly, people who have suffered as victims of crime.
6: Well, definitely I think you have the small business community on on your side when it comes to being Resourceful, constantly being flexible because we have to constantly adjust to our environment daily, yeah. if not you know hourly. Um, one other well, one question that I have is: I know in the um, in the Asian community, we've really uh, pushed for kind of um, victim services and um, and victim services in language that I know uh, we do provide. I'm wondering. Um, do we do that across cultures also? Also, Because I know that there are many people who, you know, when you're a victim of crime and you're already living paycheck to paycheck, you can't afford to be a victim of crime. You know, right. you just don't have a buffer. Like, um, you know, somebody that, um, well, somebody that um, one of our employees had her car um, stolen recently and it was heartbreaking to try to help her get back to just square one you know or or her baseline and you know i i was really fortunate to be able to call friends to get things like car seats like and also help her navigate the system but it's like you know i couldn't not that I couldn't imagine, but I feel like there are so many people who are in the situation who perhaps wouldn't have somebody to call to be able to help them get through something like that. And you know, so I'm just wondering beyond language, what cultural help is there?
15: Yes, and so um, certainly we've we've been, I think, engaged in a lot of public discussion about what we um, have been doing particularly for the Asian community culturally to make sure that Victim Services is able to um, provide what it needs to for um, our monolingual population in particular. Um, One thing that I've been very staunch about in my office is that we understand that we have an obligation to every community, right? And, And we can, of course, be responsive to the, you know, when something comes up right and flags it for us that we need to be responsive in this one area. Um, but recognizing we serve so many different communities across, um, this city who are different cultures, have different language needs and all those things and trying to make sure that we remember, right. That we have to serve people across the board. And so it's been a big focus of ours. Um, I have a new victim services chief, uh, who understands that and is really working on cultural competency. One, not only that we have people who right are the same culture and can and can be representative, but also that we don't confine ourselves that way. And that we don't just say, well, in order to serve an Asian victim, you must be Asian, right? In order to serve, we can't we can't limit ourselves that way either, and, and we really shouldn't see things that way. I don't want to be a DA that only serves people who look like me, right? I I can understand regardless of what culture you are when you're going through something as a victim and be your advocate. And so um, working to have cultural competency across the board, regardless of whether you're the same culture or not, as we build out, making sure that we have representatives from as many cultures as we can um, for when we're able to offer that. Um, So that's what we've been working a lot on, as well as community engagement um, in a way that helps um our various communities around the city know that what services are available to them uh, because so many just don't know and so having those presentations be if it's a language need in in their um uh, their language right in 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 a specific language but also just across the different cultural communities in san francisco regardless of what they are um, knowing that we are here to support you if you're the victim of a crime. Where I think the biggest need is um, as far as economically is in the area of property crime, right? We, we can compensate victims when they're the victim of a violent crime, but there's just no pool of funds to help people, right, in that situation. That would have been my mom. I was raised by a single mom. We lived paycheck to paycheck. There would have been no recovery had we had our car been stolen. Um, and so knowing that, we need to extend resources to victims of property crime, but that's a conversation for another day to try to find where those funds would come from, um, but but certainly something that we need to be paying attention for.
6: Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks.
15: Thank you. Vice President Zazunas.
14: Thank you, DA, and um, th- I know your time is demanding, so thank you okay. for being here. Um, I think the question I always prompt to our DAs when we have, you know, a public audience is to better help us understand what your jurisdiction is and your role, so, because I know you get pitched every problem um, that exists, and so for us to better hone as the commission, um, when we identify trends, maybe it's a, you know, duplicative code that was made, you know, during the surge of nuisance abatement, you know, laws in, 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 in the 2000s, 90s, you know, maybe it's uh, a trend we're identifying from, um, um, you know, different types of break-ins and 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 things that we're experiencing as small businesses. So, h- how do we elevate to you like a policy pitch? Like, what is your jurisdiction in terms of, of policy, and how can small business um, trends and and issues? Um, like, where do you weigh in on them, and where can you impact them?
15: Where can, yes. So I, I would say the easiest way to put it is, right, obviously my, my jurisdiction is once someone commits a crime, right? When you commit a crime and you're arrested, you come into my jurisdiction. Now, to a certain degree, like I said, I want to see this this office kind of step outside of that, um, as much as we can, which is to work on preventative measures as much as we can, and and community engagement a lot more. Um, Because to me, that's the only way we're going to prevent crime, is to have a different presence in our communities, to uplift our communities. Um, Where I have the capacity to really help with advocacy outside of sort of You know, a particular policy in my office is that um, if if there is a legislation that is proposed, be it locally, like at our Board of Supervisors, or even statewide, is to offer my um, support publicly Mm -hmm. um, or the office's support. And so that's something that I can certainly do Um, if it's something that I you know believe believe in very strongly, whether it be in law related to law enforcement or not. I do have that ability. Um, One thing that I think could be helpful to me and and perhaps the small business community too is and and I'm not one who likes the you can only have so many committees and so many meetings and so many things like that but whether it be a liaison or some type of um, advisory board to our office uh, I think could be very useful um, as a tool to funneling information like that into me so that things can be presented to me to be able to participate in or support uh, because otherwise where it gets difficult is I'm going from neighborhood to neighborhood and each neighborhood might say something different as opposed to knowing sort of more of what the collective uh, feels and thinks.
14: Okay, thank you. Yeah, I, I think our testimony here tonight. I just want to thank, you know, all my commissioners for bringing these perspectives because small businesses really are first responders in a lot of ways. And um, it's important that we we, you know, we identify things that are happening in a trend before they're even yeah. identified on the large scale. Um, and something that I've had, unfortunately, had firsthand experience with lately is how much the th- the thieves in our city know our laws, and they know they've figured out the kind of ambivalence and normalization, and and what codes we mm-hmm. don't respond to and which ones we do, and they know it so well. And they, they study us, they know when women are working, um, and I think small businesses have a lot of, um, I think they have a lot of policy literacy and they're just not tapped into as much. Um, I know that there's the false alarm code, which, um, which has been something that I, I know um, people on the board have tried to grapple with and and reform and I'm not sure if it, it it's housed in the police code or not but I feel like this is a policy that needs to be changed um, it was during a time when there was a lot of false alarms because just um, you know it was one of the nuisance abatement pres- yeah. you know pres- protocols that went into effect before there was a surge of actual break-ins you know and so now there's this policy where an alarm company has to call the business before they call the police. And a lot of small businesses, even ones that the police love them and they know the police love them, subconsciously at 3 a.m., when they get a call, they're like, oh, I don't want to get a fine. Don't send the cops. And and this is, like, happening. And the the, the burglars, they know this. yeah, and And they know that there might be a call and then there won't be another call. So they bust the front, and then they wait, and then they go in. And it's they, they know how our city, like, our code's better than us. Um, so I think that we have an opportunity, especially now that we're developing a new round of kind of nuisance abatement laws, that we get rid of the old ones that aren't working and actually criminalizing and creating bureaucratic barriers to our small business community. And that's just one example.
15: Yeah, and I'm... I'm com- uh, that is like the first I'm hearing of that and it, it you're right right for some people committing crime is a career like they understand exactly the parameters of their career they know what they're doing they they learn all this and they know the tricks of the trade and so um, like I, I'm a firm believer in like we need to reform we need to improve but you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater you can't do away with something to make it better by just getting rid of it and so we have to figure out right if there are policies that now are affecting the police's ability to do their jobs let's revisit let's think about how it needs to be improved and we should be doing that as a city Um, like i said one of those examples too is the whole dpw fine for graffiti right and now us working with dpw to say these businesses are victims They're the victims of a crime when somebody tags on their wall, but yet they are the ones receiving the threat of a fine. Let's all think about that, right, and figuring out how, as a policy matter, we shift to afford businesses a different way, right, who are victims of these crimes, not to be penalized. And so I think it's just us thinking outside of the box and and being made aware of those types of situations so that we can weigh in. And I'm happy to weigh in, certainly. Thank you appreciate it.
1: So, thank you DA, um, <clears throat> uh, thank you so much for coming in. Um, it's truly an honor to have you here. Uh, this is my last meeting as, as commission president. Um, and I have to say, in, in four years I'm serving on this commission, I've never been prouder to be on a commission, listening to the power and the truth that my fellow commissioners um, have been saying tonight, um, and I think importantly, the nuance yeah. that you are expressing it with. Um, and I want to say that I'm uh, allied with all of you. Um, I'm allied with uh, the need to to have better policing and better uh, really better, a better sense of justice in the Bayview and and the Excelsior, which is another neighborhood that often uh, gets forgotten about and left behind. And I appreciate the nuance with which uh, you spoke, I I thought, quite eloquently about uh, how as a city we forget about some of these other neighborhoods because they're not on the news every night and and they're not in the front of the newspaper so first and foremost i i want to thank my fellow commissioners um really uh it's it's just an honor to be here with all of you um i have uh over the years uh tried to find constructive and helpful ways to engage um on the criminal justice issue and and try and identify like what what are the opportunities here uh, for us collectively as a city and as a body to actually make forward progress? Uh, I was reading uh, to your point about, uh, you were talking about how on on street vending we have uh, constraints with uh, um, the ability of police to actually um, intercede with folks that are, are doing stuff. Uh, And I was also thinking about uh, some of the constraints that we have around smash and grab. Uh, You know, that the witness has to testify that the door was locked (laughs) on a car, which is just. uh, And so, obviously, if the person went back to New York or Illinois, or uh, as we were just hearing today, Paris or Mm -hmm. London, they're not going to be able to come back. One thing that I've heard repeatedly, uh, having participated in several working groups, is that uh, many of these crimes, I've seen this reported in the press, I've heard it directly from uh, SFPD officers and and the DA's offices as well, many of these crimes are ultimately funneling up to theft rings, uh, that there's a small, comparatively smaller number of theft rings that are, are enabling a lot of this activity uh and i know that your office has some investigatory powers and Mm -hmm. abilities and and i'm just wondering if you could talk for a minute how you're looking at and thinking about uh theft rings and what what can we do um as as a community and and you as as a da to to tackle this it seems like a, a there's an opportunity there to uh, a small a fairly small number of people being arrested could have a, a materially large impact on the amount of crime being committed.
15: Yes. And that's absolutely true. And it's something that, um, I think most people don't know. And it's also right. Watching crime evolve over time. And when I first started in the DA's office eight years ago, um, most of the the folks from the various neighborhoods who were committing crime was you know selling drugs that kind of thing. At a certain point, it shifted. Most of our drug dealers, people who come from outside of San Francisco, actually, right into San Francisco. Um, but folks realized, you know what? I can get more bang for my buck if I break into cars. And you seeing literally two, three people in a car go from car to car, because it takes about 90 seconds, bust the window, get what you want, on to the next car. I don't have to stand out on the block for 12 hours. And so um, that being one evolution that I saw right early on in my career to now retail theft, organized retail theft being an actual problem. Um, And so what we've had to do is continuously adapt, right, in law enforcement to this evolution. And what we are trying to do in the DA's office with respect to this organized retail theft issue is to invest more investigatory resources, uh, because SFPD obviously has to spread their resources in so many different directions. Um, If people are behind desks, they're not patrolling, right? And so we do have investigators who have our career-long police officers who can assist with investigations um, of these issues. But we need more of them, because this is a new problem right that didn't exist and if i take investigators off of other issues then now we've got another issue that's unmanned because i switched you over to retail theft and so one thing that we are doing uh, during the budget process is to ask for um, a couple of uh, of the the resources for a couple of investigators who we can dedicate to that right now we only have one working on that um heavily uh, but also being able to assign specific prosecutors um to these issues, because that's how you start to you start to be aware of the recurring players, right when it's spread across thirty prosecutors, you don't know right? a case comes this way, a case comes that way. you don't get to know who the repeat offenders are as easily as if this is what you're dedicated to. and so being able to commit our resources in the DA's office um, to assist SFPD and take the front line of the investigations sort of out of their you know out of their responsibility so that um, we can invest more in it than, than they can.
1: Thank you. Um, I was reading in the paper the other day, um, about the open air drug markets and, um, constraints that, um, your office is having in terms of being able to prosecute uh, dealers and, and a, a constraint that I think, um, uh, the public generally doesn't seem to be aware of. And actually I was surprised to hear was the, reticence of the uh, the judicial branch uh, to mm-hmm. uh, effectuate any change in terms of how these prosecutions move forward is there's, what is the input in your experience? What is the input for the judicial branch? How does the small business community speak to the judicial branch? (laughs) Because we can't, I've asked, we can't invite them to come uh, to the small business commission. I've asked. (laughs) Um, How do we get that message across to them? Uh, You know, particularly we see the overdoses skyrocketing. We see people dying on the streets. We see people dying in our businesses. Yep. And we don't want to see that. Um, and so how, what, what's the input for the judicial branch? How, how do we get that message to them? How do we help get that message to them?
15: I think we have to use our rights as citizens to um, the public nature of criminal proceedings. Um, oftentimes, we're in the courtroom as lawyers, and there's 10 people in the courtroom, and they're all people waiting for their case to be called or a family member, and that's it. Uh, we don't readily see members of the public in our courtrooms there simply to observe and to watch and see the decisions that are being made and the arguments that are that are happening and unless it's a, a you know a particular high profile case and you know the media has an interest or there's a a movement to do so and i think um Judges need to understand that the community is invested in the decisions that are being made. They should be making decisions based on the law, of course, Um, but that where they have gray area um, in particular, that they understand that the community has an interest, right, in the outcome of the decision-making process. Um, Community members are allowed to... uh, make public statements at certain times in certain ways depending on the nature of the proceeding and where it's at um, and also are allowed to submit we can you know if you write us a letter or something that we can present to a judge if they're getting ready to make a sentencing determination or um, a you know release determination for somebody uh, that that's where i think you could be helpful Um, but i think so often things are done in this Closed courtroom where nobody's there. And so I think it affects how um, it can affect, like I said, the gray area sometimes in the way the gray area in the law is interpreted. Um, but I think we're seeing, you know, certainly on the drug dealing issue, I think we're seeing traction um, that they're starting to more. Um, greatly understand that fentanyl is different, right, that people are actually dying and that it's not the same as, we're not talking about crack in the 80s, we're talking about lives being lost every day Mm -hmm. um, and needing to uh, recognize that it presents a different danger than we've ever seen. So I think we're getting there, but I certainly think the public needs to, uh, it, it could be helpful if the public took more of a participatory role in the process by being present. I think it's a really important point.
1: Uh, DA, I know you are uh, very short on time and you have a 630 meeting. Yes. Um, with
15: another. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so
1: I think we're going to go straight to public comment. Uh, and is there any public commenters on the line? There are none. Okay. So oh, we, we, we have one in the room, so uh, go ahead, Janet.
5: Thank you very much, District Attorney. Um, I'm Janet Tarlov again. I'm here uh, on behalf of the San Francisco Council of District Merchants, and um, our uh, Legislative uh, Committee meets um, in advance of this meeting. And we reviewed this agenda, and and, uh, my committee asked me to come and um, speak on behalf of our members on the graffiti uh, issue. It's similar to what um, President Laguana was saying about um, a small number of really prolific um, offenders who we are wondering if there could be more meaningful consequences for those folks who are uh, tagging prolifically and creating a serious problem for our members. Um, I'm also here on behalf of the Glen Park Merchants Association, which um, uh, late last year was very unfortunately the, um, the subject of some uh, media attention that was very unwelcome regarding uh, a rat infestation that is happening in our neighborhood as a result of uh, one woman's activity uh, field feeding wild animals, which continues. And um, the point I wanted to make about that is that um, uh, it's our understanding that this is an infraction and not a misdemeanor. And so as a result, um, we're not really able to submit um, uh, all the copious uh, video and um, uh, photographic evidence that we have. of her of her doing this crime, it's um, the case that an officer needs to personally see her engaging in the behavior in order to take any action. So, um, it's co- it cost my business over hundred thousand dollars, and um, it's uh, it's just a, a real problem. Of course, it um, it doesn't compare to some of the issues that have been brought up about violence and open air drug dealing, but, um, just wanted to bring it up. Thank you.
15: Thank
1: you. Uh, yeah, you I think you we're good now. Uh, is there any more public comment on, on,
0: uh, I don't believe there are any more colors. Okay.
1: Seeing them public comment is closed. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. Um, thank your staff as well. Uh, appreciate you coming in. Okay. Next item, please.
0: Item 4, Office of Small Business Budget Update and Priorities. This is a discussion and action item. The Commission will hear an overview of the Office of Small Business Budget Priorities and vote on the approval of budget priorities for the fiscal year 23-24 budget process.
18: Okay, Director Tang. All right, thank you, commissioners. So before you is a draft resolution and uh, basically spells out the priorities um, that this commission uh, wants to encourage um, us to uh, include in the fiscal year 23, 24, as well as 24, 25 budget. Uh, They were reflective of the strategic goals and priorities that uh, this commission, or at least um, some form of this commission had decided upon uh, last year. Uh, they include um, the top priorities of supporting small business retention and growth, making it easier and faster to open a business in San Francisco, and to restore economic vibrancy to commercial corridors in our city. Uh, if there are any other um, elements that uh, you think we're missing here please do let us know, but um, these are the top high level priorities that uh, are part of this commission's strategic priorities and goals.
1: vice president cizunas
14: thank you director uh for your work into this um i just had one question since we are further resolving these priorities with an adoption of, of the budget correct is that like also that further resolved that adopts our office of small business budget as well
18: so our budget is not yet ready Um, it will be submitted to the mayor's office in February and so uh, at this time the only thing that we can do uh, to meet the spirit of a board of supervisors resolution that says we're supposed to adopt a budget is to say here are our priorities and we hope to see this reflected once the budget is uh, developed
14: okay thank you for that clarification just because I was looking at our annual report and I realized it was the OEWD entire budget and not like the highlights of our, of our office. So that's gonna come, uh, we still haven't seen that, got it.
18: Correct, okay. we will be happy to share that with this commission around May when uh, that has been developed and um, right before we're about to go to the Board of Supervisors. <clears throat> Thank you. Great,
1: any other questions? Uh, seeing none, I would like to make a motion that we adopt this resolution.
0: We need to take public
1: comment. Oh, public comment. You'd think I'd know that by now.
0: There are no callers on the line. Are there any public commenters in the room?
1: Nope. Okay. Seeing none, public comment is closed. I will make my motion now uh, to adopt the resolution.
13: Uh, second that.
0: Motion by President Liguana, seconded by Commissioner Carter. Commissioner Carter. Commissioner Dickerson yes. Commissioner Herbert aye. Commissioner Huey. Yes. President Liguana. Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena is absent. Vice President Suzunas. Yes. Motion
1: passes. Great. Next item please.
0: Item 5, Small Business Commission Officer Elections for President. This is a discussion and action item. The Commission will nominate and vote on the new 2023 Commission President. For each office, in this case president, I will call for nominations. Nominations require a second to be considered. Nominees will then have an opportunity to make a statement. After nominee statements, the other commissioners will be provided a chance to comment. Following nominee and commissioner statements, we will have public comment, followed by a roll call vote on each nomination. The first nominee to reach four votes for each respective office during a round of voting shall be deemed elected. Are there any nominations for president?
1: So I would like to make a nomination. Um, however, being as this is my last meeting, <laughs> I, I hope you would allow me just a couple minutes um, leading up to the nomination um, to just talk about my experience. And uh, the way that I'm going to talk about my experience is really just to talk about uh, the people that I experience this with. Uh, and so, um, you know, when I was appointed to the commission, it was a, 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 a different body. Uh, I think the only person, uh, left from that body is William, who is, is out sick today, which makes me very sad. Uh, huh. Oh, (laughs) right. How could I forget? (laughs) I had a bigger thing for you later, but,
11: um, (laughs) that's
1: how I forgot. Uh, But, uh, you know, I I think I just wanted to just, like, quickly give a shout out um, to all the people I have had the pleasure to work with over the past four years, uh, starting with Mark Dwight, uh, who was uh, incredibly intelligent. And uh, I learned this incredible thing that you can do on the commission, which is actually draft law live in a meeting. He would just wordsmith it. And next thing you know, somebody's adopt- adopting it and it's like actually written into law and like blew my mind that like somebody could could just do that. And that was amazing. Uh, the commission president when I joined was Stephen Adams, who uh, is so incredibly thoughtful and such a vigorous advocate for small businesses, but also something that I don't think came through in the meetings was somebody who mentored Um, and fostered up-and-coming leaders and and helped create room. And and actually, um, uh, when I decided to run for president, he was one of the most, like, I was scared to talk to him about it. And he was uh, incredibly encouraging. I know he was um, also very encouraging to our vice president. Um, And so uh, I just saw him the other day, and it was really nice to give him a big hug. Uh, Irene Fong, uh, who uh, now serves on the Human Rights Commission, this woman just exudes power. Um, just when she speaks, the, the, everything stops, and uh, it's, it's just been uh, uh, was amazing to serve on a commission. And she has this incredible long history of doing all these incredible things for the city. And so one Thing that I think is is a lesson for me for that and I think a lesson for all of you is this can just be the beginning of a journey into public service and public service doesn't have to mean running for office it can just mean doing these things trying to help make the city better and all these little crevices and corners that uh, people don't pay attention to and Irene just totally exhibited that uh, Kathleen Dooley uh, rest in peace uh, my God, what a firecracker. Uh, sh- she will fuck you up. <laughs> I am serious. I was like, I sat right next to her. I was scared to death of her the whole time. Uh, she was, uh, uh, you know, just absolutely amazing. But also, um, you know, in the end, somebody who really became a dear friend. And, um, You know, I I think from her I learned the power of just uh, really sticking to uh, what you think is right no matter what, and and she was just uh, really incredible. Uh, At the same time Cynthia was appointed, Uh, we got uh, Manny Ucudiel who's now on the SFMTA board, another person who's continued from this commission to doing uh, other things. you know, Manny is now one of my uh, a very good friend of mine, and, and I, I do a podcast with him. Um, I I kind of want to say things that are annoying about him, um, just to, because he's always like screwing with me. But uh, he is, you know, somebody who's just made a huge impact on the community, and I think exemplifies what uh, the Small Business Business Commission can do. And he is also somebody after leaving the Small Business Commission has continued to be a forceful advocate for small businesses. And that has been a lesson for me. And I will continue after leaving this commission to be a forceful advocate for small businesses. Uh, Some of our our newer commissioners, uh, in my mind at least, although now it probably feel like you've been on it for like ages, but um, Lawanda, my goodness, my goodness. You've brought tears to my eyes. You have, um, I think, really shown a light on an aspect of San Francisco, as we just talked about during this meeting, uh, that uh, gets glossed over. Um, It's such an honor and a privilege to serve with you. I love the directness with which you say things. It's just, uh, you know, really, Uh, powerful and uh, I can see why the mayor appointed you to this commission and it's been a real honor just to become friends with you and and get to know you and and look forward to being friends in the future. Um, Rachel uh, we don't have enough restaurant owners on this commission. Um, It's where most small businesses oh I know I'm getting you. it's where most small business, uh, most of our small businesses are in, uh, food and beverage. And, uh, I think that representation of, uh, what it takes to run a business, uh, a restaurant, uh, clearly, you know, your shit, um, and you've been, um, an effective voice. And I'm really looking forward to what you're going to do with this going forward. Um, it's going to be really exciting. Uh, Tiffany, Uh, Obviously, also a a restaurant owner, very powerful um, testimony, you've provided a number of occasions, but also, my gosh, you're just an effective advocate across so many uh, fronts and also somebody who is effective and facing all kinds of challenges and overcoming those challenges. And that's something I can personally relate to um, on a very deep level. It has really become an an honor and a privilege to get a chance uh, to work with you and to to get to know you. And I'm looking forward to working with you um, in the future. I appreciate everything you do. Um, And I appreciate the advocacy that you you do for also uh, for the Bayview. I think it's critical. Um, It's important. Um, Honestly, for me, it's it's an honor to even know you. Uh, So uh, I appreciate uh, what you've brought to this. Miriam, um, my uh, fellow vice president. My liege. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have my knee. <laughs> uh, you know, we uh, we both uh, entered this realm on January 19th, uh, January 23rd. I, 2019. So exactly three years ago. And then within just a couple weeks, the pandemic started. Uh, And we spent uh, hours, probably too many hours on the phone, trying to figure out what we could do, what we should do, what might work, what might not work. Um, Like everybody else on this commission, you've, you're an incredible advocate. I I mean, one of the most amazing things for me being on this commission is just really getting a sense of the city's diversity, um, and something I won't long forget is you correcting SF travel on their broken Arabic. (laughs) 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 And I think this just underscores, uh, the importance of having diverse bodies, um, in, on commissions like this, uh, which has made it all the more of an honor and a privilege uh, for me to, um, to have the opportunity to work with you all and to work on behalf of all of you. And that brings me, um, well, and I also, of course, um, I, I'd be remiss without talking about Regina Dick Andrizy, uh, who helped was the orig- original, uh, director for the office of small business, I think like the, the founding director is, I think so. Yeah. Um, Uh, and who knew every nook and cranny of the city and the city's laws and all the different um, weird aspects of this and uh, uh, she was so great at at carefully explaining it to me because i was a total idiot like i mean all of us i joined the commission i knew nothing about any of this stuff we, we all have to kind of learn on the job so if you're on this job and you're feeling like i don't know what's happening Um, Well, I I still don't know what's happening, so it's just going to be more (laughs) of the same. Uh, But she was a a really very, uh, and is, a a really careful and patient teacher. And she is, um, like everybody else, stayed engaged. Um, And uh, I saw her walk into the room. uh, Former Commission Secretary Dominica Donovan, if you would please stand. (laughs) Uh, Dominica, my God, when I looked, I tried to like, uh, recap a little bit, um, all the things that we got done during the pandemic. So when, when I joined the commission, we were largely a responsive reactive body, we would, um, legislation would come, we would respond and react. And what was different about the pandemic was we had to stop being responsive and reactive and we had to start being proactive. And I hope that's a gear this commission never loses. I hope that we continue to put out resolutions. I hope that we continue to write letters. I hope that we continue to nudge our elected officials, our leaders, our, 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 our law enforcement uh, into doing more and doing better for the sector that represents the most hope. For disadvantaged people, I'm a high school graduate who was homeless when I moved to the city. I know many of you have similar backgrounds. I got fired from every job I ever had, probably because I talked too long, like I am right now. And um, for me, it was small business that allowed me to find – running and owning a small business allowed me to find financial stability, and I've seen that happen uh, across a lot of people who don't fit into corporate America, so getting back to Dominica. (laughs) <laughs> we would sit on the phone um, strategizing for hours and hours and hours. What if we did this? What if we did that? We could try this. We could try that. It's March of, of 2020. It's April of 2020. It's May of 2020. I, I would send her on more wild goose chases. There, like for everything we did, there was like a hundred things that we couldn't do, we weren't allowed to do. Um, uh, you know, The ball bounced weird. We were stepping on somebody's toes. But we tried to find a way to be a productive um, and helpful body, um, not just some. We easily could have been the body that was yelling and screaming and just making everybody feel bad. And instead of tearing people down, we tried to lift people up. Um, and uh, Dominica was like 95% of that, and I was lucky to be the 5% um, on the other side uh, that um, got to say, "Well, look." At, look at all these great ideas, Dominica had. <laughs> so, um, so finally, uh, I w- I want to get to my nomination now. Um, and I, I want to talk about, uh, Cynthia Huey. And when Cynthia, uh, joined this commission, I'll never forget this. She sat uh, in your seat. I think it was LaWanda. Um, and, um, it, it came time for her, it, you had to speak about something, um, and I'm going to embarrass you. It's like a deer in headlights. <laughs> it was like you could just see, like, uh, and I know that feeling very well because I've had it as a performer. Um, it's just like a recurring motif. Eventually, sooner or later, you're not, a, like, your, your mind's not in the right spot for performing, and you're like, ah, everybody's looking at me. Um, and I saw her do that and I said to you afterwards, like, don't stress, because you were, I think you were a little worried about it. Um, and I said, don't stress, you got it. Like, it'll come naturally. Um, and and listening, to, um, listening to you talk uh, to the DA uh, today um, and synthesizing, um, everything that, uh, the commission has been talking about and everything that you're hearing about in the community and, and seeing how, uh, out front you are, uh, with the community, um, the small business community and, and constantly going out to these events. I, I was laughing when the DA was like, you were telling her about how many events you've uh, been to or with that, because it is a job. Um, that's encompassing. And it is a job that takes a lot. And actually, frankly, I was lucky to be president at a time when I didn't have to go out because you weren't allowed to go out. So like that worked well (laughs) for me. Um, But I think this next era is actually going to require a lot more outreach, a lot more merchant walks, a lot more being uh, visible. Um, And just knowing the both the level of work and and the level of experience and how much passion you have for the Commission and how much passion you have for small businesses. Um, and as somebody that is your friend um, and, uh, you know, the advocacy of work you've even done within the Commission, launching the Small Business Commission survey, which I'm very anxiously awaiting the, uh, the results to be uh, produced, which is, it's done. We're just putting the report together. Uh, but that was an incredible amount of work, and, and creating that partnership with um, San Francisco State there, I didn't say UCSF, um, and, and Professor Chowdhury, uh, I think that was really impactful. I was able to, you know, many times in conversations to use that data um, to uh, talk about what small businesses meant for uh vulnerable populations, disadvantaged communities, historically marginalized people, and and how it helped create a new sense of promise. And and it was something that we needed to double down on. It was your work that that really helped facilitate that. So this is all the world's longest nomination, but it's leading to um, it would really just be uh, my honor and, and pleasure in every sense of the word to nominate Cynthia Huey for president of the Small Business Commission.
10: I second it. (laughs) <laughs> oh, second. Mike was on
1: wow she was quick on the draw oh,
10: the seat the seat confirmed it. <laughs> it
0: do any of the do does the nominee want to make a statement, um, I, a
2: statement now or... I mean
6: who knows this may not be clinched I don't know. I don't want to be presumptive about... I,
2: I think this is where you're
1: supposed to clinch it.
6: Oh, this is where I have to really grab you're your heartstrings. you
1: Yeah, you're, you're supposed to campaign.
6: Do I get to say something afterwards? You can do whatever you want! Oh, okay. <laughs> if you're elected. If that wasn't enough. Well, um... You know i was probably a deer in headlights i don't remember that moment in time (laughs) (laughs) but um you know this commission has meant so much to me and and serving on a commission has meant so much to me i mean i i loved all of the things that i'm glad sharky went through everybody individually so i i won't belabor (laughs) everyone um with that but i think you know, my passion is really in in being a part of my community. and my community is is just growing and growing and growing. So you know, for me to be able to serve as a leader of this commission would be an honor. and um, it would be, I don't know, like a humbling, exciting experience. so, You know, if this is, if this is something that you, I've never campaigned before. I've never imagined myself. I don't know what I would do as a politician. I would stand there. I have no signs. I have nothing. But I am committed to, um, you know, continuing the um, equity work that we've done, um, and really continuing to amplify the voices of small business owners. But you know. Everybody, everybody who um, oftentimes feels unseen and unheard. So, um, yeah, I have some other things later on if, yeah. if things work out my way. Okay, let's <laughs> when, find out.
0: <laughs> do
6: any commissioners
0: want to make comments? And after commissioners, then we'll take public comment.
10: Oops. Oh, I was waiting for you to call Monday. Uh,
1: um, Oh, my bad. No, that's okay. (laughs) Commissioner Dickerson.
10: Yes, President Laguna. I I, um, just very simple. I could not think of a better transition um, because, Cynthia, you exude advocacy. You exude the love, the the compassion, not just passionate about it, but the compassion, which is very important because of your humanistic way, your level of empathy, and your willingness to do what it takes to express that. Um, I love the genuineness of who you are. Um, I've had the opportunity to um, share times with you where I have seen you um express in such a way that i i can't see you doing anything else um i 100 percent support you um and i am excited i know i'm just speaking as though everything has just been voted but i'm just going that's just how i feel and so um i'm excited about this i'm so glad and excited that um president laguana um nominated you i i think that you are the the woman of the hour so um i would say hats off to you but i don't normally take my hat off um but anyway i'm excited for you and i i i i hope this works out for your your good and for your benefit so
1: thank you commissioner carter
13: I just want to say, President LaGuana, what an honor to be in this commission with you. Um, I'm just, I always feel so privileged to be around great leaders because I'm always inspired and and I owe a lot of my leadership to just being surrounded by other great leaders and just as a, um, I love business. So out of all the things I do, this is like probably my favorite. <laughs> So um, I learned a lot, and, and yeah, I'm just always just very inspired um, by you as a leader and also as a businessman. And I couldn't think of a better transition with Commissioner Huey. She's just, this is great. So I feel like, um, you know, upon our vote that this commission is in great, great hands.
1: I agree. Um Vice President
14: Azunas. Uh I will also just say th- thank you, President Liguana, for those um, kind words to, uh, to everybody. And um, I think that you en- encompassed the work we've done and the legacy that that work um, you know, has built. But I want to attribute a lot of putting small business on the radar to you um, and the impact that you will have on this commission and this institution, and hopefully, this whole system is going to be lasting. Um, you 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 woke up the city. You helped us break out of um, you know, kind of a shell that that this body was in, and um, made us relevant, and made people take our recommendations seriously, and made us cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and small business Debatable. was not cool when I entered this game. Everyone was like are you like 12? Like, do you even know how to work? You know, like, it was an old man's game. And um, yeah, so thank you for helping um, make us part of the public sphere. And um, Cynthia, Commissioner, I'm looking forward to voting for you.
1: Mm. (laughs) Love that. Commissioner Dickerson. I wanted
10: to make, I, I wanted to make my address separate because I have to honestly say, President Laguna, I, I, I have a hard time because I love Sharky. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that one meeting when the guy says, "Sharky, Sharky. I don't know if that was a... I don't know where that came from. You remember, right? Uh, no. You don't remember. Oh, that's no. old.
5: Yeah.
10: Okay. There was a... <laughs> anyway, he said it. But anyway, we uh, Sharky... Uh, uh, sorry, President mm-hmm. Laguna. I um, I would not be sitting here if it had not been for you. Hmm. I know that, uh, mayor appointed me, but it was your conversations with me that gave me the, um, confidence to move into an area that I was completely unfamiliar with your support, your words of comfort, uh, your candidness. <laughs> you, I, I, sometimes I go home and I just go, y'all want to know what Sharky said today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I just have to say thank you for, uh, and if I have to say, I mean, as a president of this commission board, I think you did a phenomenal job. I think you, you went above and beyond the scope of work or expectation of what a president should be. And I think you really set the bar high. And I think you should be a real example of what it looks like to be a president of a board, honestly. And so I I am truly honored. I believe we are all feeling that same way. And I just wanna just give you blessings into your next venture, because I know wherever you're going, you are getting ready to set that trail on fire. And so, I know we will continue to support you and root for you, you and your family. And I wanna encourage you to take, when you take this time off, take the time off and rejuvenate, connect back with your family because you're getting ready to go into a realm that I don't think they know what, what's coming. But you being who you are, are gonna change the trajectory of wherever you're going. So I'm excited to see where you're going and what, where your path is taking you. And so thank you. Thank you, thank you.
1: Thank you, I appreciate it, Commissioner Herbert.
16: I uh, first I wanted to say, Commissioner Huey, I'm looking forward to voting for you, <laughs> <laughs> and to working with you and getting to know everybody on the commission. And um, and Sharky, I just got here, so what's up with that? <laughs> Let's hang. <laughs> 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 But I wanted to thank you for encouraging me, too, because I called you and I was like, so what is this about? And you were really encouraging and um, just made me feel welcome. And so thank you. And and I hope we can stay in touch.
1: Well, of course, we will. Um, Commissioners, I had two other names I meant to mention, um, but I was in a rush coming into the meeting. And I didn't write the names down because I was like, how could I forget? But then, of course, I forgot. Um, So. Uh, First, I want to say our current commission secretary, Carrie, uh, we got, uh, I think uh, Regina said we got uh, over 100 resumes submitted to us. Um, Out of those 100 resumes, she curated um, eight or nine to look at. I was glancing through them, and I was like, that one. And she said, well, we got to go through a process, and, you know, you got to do this, and you got to interview. And I said, no, that one, that <laughs> one. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, you just see the resume, but you don't really remember the name. So then we had to do the, the Zoom interviews. Um, and what was funny is we were doing the Zoom interviews, and I couldn't remember who was who or who was, um, which person was the resume. But after we finished your uh, interview, immediately afterwards, we got on with... Uh, uh, what was the woman's name? we were on the um, It's the only time I ever worked with her. She was on the call with us. I think you you were on the call with me A- anyway, so we got on the call. And I was like that one <laughs> and I was so happy that 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 the resume and it was uh it doesn't matter um but but the point is, I was so happy that the resume and the interview matched up um and it was really fortuitous because I was very passionate about public uh, shared spaces, parklets, and she had done that work um, on, uh, in, in Berkeley. Um, she also has done work on EBT stuff um, uh, at the statewide level, right? Yeah. Um, see, this is the only, this is me remembering your resume from uh, that, that many years ago but I think my favorite Carrie moment, I was like, how are we gonna replace Dominica? She's irreplaceable. Like there's just not, there's no way that like we can make this transition and and wind up with like the same power and efficacy. And it was like the minute Carrie hit the ground, it was like nothing changed. Um, And my favorite (laughs) moment was we got on a Zoom call Uh, and Dominica was making a presentation uh, on behalf of uh, Supervisor Stephanie, and it was me, Dominica, and Carrie, and they had on the same outfit. (laughs) It was like a striped top. They had the same haircut. They were wearing the same (laughs) eyeglasses, and I was like, this is kismet. Like, this is serendipity. This was meant to be. Uh, And so, uh, you know, Carrie, I'm like – much like Dominica, you have uh, made 90% of what needs to happen, happen. You make the rest of us look good. Um, I'm so grateful for it, um, and I'm so glad that uh, you're here with this commission. I hope you'll stay for a long time and not leave like Dominica did.
10: We love
1: you. Yeah uh but uh no really uh you you make a huge impact and um, anybody in this role would be very wise to listen to your advice you have so many uh really just sharp and smart things to say and, and i'm always interested um in what you have to say and then uh finally uh director tang uh when we were losing the founding director of the office of small business again it was like Now what are we gonna do? Um, And you know, to be honest, we had some really good qualified applicants. Uh, There were some people that was like, okay, like I could see it. But the minute we heard, uh, I heard that that Katie was interested, excuse me, (laughs) Director Tang um, was interested. I was like, are you kidding me? Is there any chance? Are you like, is like, are you sure? Like, and, and the whole time it was like pinching myself, like, please let it happen. And then we had a, a zoom call and I was like, all right, yes, this is going to be great. Um, uh, the minute you got into this role, uh, it, it's, it's been such a joy to watch your, uh, one of the things that I think that you bring to this commission that no other commission has uh, is what it looks like from the legislative body perspective, boots on the ground. What does it look like to actually bring, to initiate legislation, get it past all the hurdles and get it over the finish line. And again, for this commission, that is gold, that insight is gold and the fact that you are willing Uh, there are so many things that you could choose to do. The world is literally your oyster, but you are willing um, to put in this work because of how passionately you feel about small business and how, because you recognize the importance of it to the city, um, to our economy, to many of the issues that we talk about on this commission. Uh, I just speaks the world about you uh, to me, and it is just truly an incredible honor uh, to have, have served with you, to become friends with you, to get to know you L- again, like everybody else, looking uh, forward to working with you again uh, in the future. Uh, but um, can't believe that I somehow forgot Carrie and Katie um, <laughs> during my little spiel. So uh, com- we're almost we're almost there. <laughs> 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 Commissioner Herbert.
16: Yes. Oh. That. oh. oh uh,
1: <laughs> nope, that was just legacy? Okay, yes. got it. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, we're ready for public comment.
0: Yep. Let's take public comment in the room and then online. Okay. Is there public comment in the room? No, No, you have to do this this before voting. Public
1: comment first. Yeah.
19: Uh Uh-oh. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, Dominica Donovan, I am speaking in my personal capacity this evening. Um, Where do I start? I have two minutes, and I will make sure that it is within that amount of time. President Laguana, I cannot think of anyone else that I have worked with that has your same level of energy and tenacity and absolute... Commitment to the mission at hand, which while we working we were working together was to simply save small businesses. Um, and like Commissioner Zunis said earlier, um, your dedication and infectiousness just really um, lifted up small business in a way that it hadn't been lifted up before. And I say that with very few years of experience here in San Francisco, but from what I understood, um, it really needed someone like you to be brought into the picture to um, put small business back on the map. And you worked really hard to bring everyone along with you, whether they were willing or not. (laughs) And that was a real privilege to work with someone who um led in that way and another thing that i'll say is that you have this incredible ability to in working towards getting to yes which i think is something that um is a lost art and something that i hope that you bring into your future endeavors because it will absolutely be needed and I'm extremely excited to see what you do next and what you're going to be able to accomplish. And I just want to thank you for your mentorship also, because you've been invaluable in that in that way. And um, San Francisco was very lucky to have you as a public servant. Um, and Commissioner Huey, I am so excited to see you take on the reins of this commission and... Um, I know that you will absolutely lead this body into um, a place that really continues to uplift small businesses and the voices that aren't heard nearly enough, um, especially the you know the businesses that are non that are owned by non English speaking owners and. Um, it's something that I really valued about working with you in the past, and I'm excited for what you're going to accomplish um, in this next term. Hopefully I'm at two minutes. Thank you for your time.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Domenica.
0: We have one one caller on the phone.
1: Caller, please proceed. Caller, Dante go Ball. ahead.
11: Hello, Commissioner. This is Dante Ball from Gumbo Social and Bayview Merchants Association. want to thank you for your hard work and dedication to small business. Um, you know, what can I say? You're a great friend to the Bayview, great friend to small business in San Francisco. Very grateful to uh, have you as a leader and looking forward to Commissioner Huey with her uh, great leadership as well. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Dante. Okay, are we? uh,
0: Uh, Yeah, we are done with public comment.
1: Okay, we're ripe for a vote then.
0: All right, Um, I'll call the roll for the nomination. Unless
1: there's any other nominations. Come
5: on,
0: Sorry. Carrie. <laughs> 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 I'll call for the role of the nomination of president of Z- Cynthia Huey for Commission president, nominated by President Laguana, seconded by Commissioner Dickerson. I'll call the roll. Commissioner Carter. Yes. Commissioner Dickerson. Yes. Commissioner Herbert. Yes. Commissioner Huey. Yes. President Laguana. Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena is absent. Yes. And yes. Vice yes. President Zezunas. Yes. Congratulations, President Dewey. Do you want to say a few words?
6: Sure. This is my deer in headlights. I guess this is what happened. (laughs) (laughs) And I won't remember this moment. Um, Yeah, I didn't. I'm really trying not to be emotional right now. Sharky? <laughs> you really, I have no idea how to even put you in a box or describe you. But thank you very much for your nomination. Thank you very much for your um, mentorship. I know I've been reluctant to receive it at many times. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate our r- relationship. And, you know, I look forward to working together. And I think everything that everybody has said so far about you has been so true, so spot on, because you've been so genuine about who you are, you know, and your, your ability to be vulnerable and humble and open really brings us all to the table. So thank you very much for everything. Um, when I was first appointed to the commission, I really did not understand what this meant. Somebody who had asked me about being on the commission told me it was like a Merchants' Association meeting. And I said, oh, well, I've run a lot of Merchants' Association meetings. I could do that. This person clearly misinformed me. This is not like any Merchants' Association meeting. So I was very confused about what I was doing on the very first day. I also didn't understand the gravity of what it meant to serve on a commission. I didn't understand the honor it was to serve this city and county and I think I I have a tendency to dismiss many of the you know the roles of leadership that um, I've been um, you know afforded over my lifetime so far, and I think you know when when I was first appointed. I almost didn't even invite my family because I didn't understand. (laughs) I was like, oh, it's not a big thing. You know, it's like I tend to minimize. So I really didn't come prepared at that time. And then, of course, you know, uh, Commissioner Yakutiel was the other person who was nominated, and he clearly knew how honorable the position was (laughs) and he came with his community and i was like wow this is like a big deal and so you know i hope you guys will all be patient with me as i settle into um myself you know because it seems to take a moment to emerge i'm kind of a late bloomer Um, (laughs) but i did write something down so that i wouldn't um I don't know, so that I would have something to say, I suppose. Um, So hopefully it's okay that I'm reading. Um, I'm not like the best at at being somewhere in between. Um, So to my fellow commissioners, the Honorable Mayor Breed, our esteemed Board of Supervisors, I'm humbled by and immensely appreciative of the trust and faith that you place in me to serve on this commission and to now serve as president. Clearly, I was a little presumptuous today. <laughs> um, I would like to acknowledge those who have come before me as well as my understanding of this, and as well as my understanding of this role and responsibility ahead. Thank you to Jordana Thigpen, who served as the first female president of the Small Business Commission in 2006, and much gratitude to Human Rights Commissioner Irene E. Riley, who I've gotten to know. Who also served as the second female president of the Small Business Commission in 2010. So, in 2023, today, 13 years later, here I am, the third female president of this commission. So, sorry, when I read that, that the gravity of the time that's passed is just so immense. But, you know, I'm so incredibly proud to serve on such a diverse group of small business owners and community leaders that not only are people that serve their communities, but I really warmly call my friends. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, all the nice things that you've said to me (laughs) about me so far tonight. And our work here on the commission is to not only represent the voices and perspectives of small business in San Francisco, but to also advocate for making the path of small business ownership viable, attainable, and sustainable for anyone who even has the slightest thought of doing, doing this. It's not an easy road, even in the best of circumstances but in San Francisco, I recognize we have unique challenges that have made owning and operating a small business in our city oftentimes incredibly difficult. Sharing a quote from Margaret Margaret Wheatley, whatever the problem, the answer is community. With the variety of problems our small businesses have faced in the past few years, it has become clear to me that the answer that lies before us is community. I'm grateful to have been a part of many communities and know that through coming together we can make things better this is as many of you know the the year of the water rabbit um, in the lunar calendar. The water rabbit signifies many things such as renewal and recuperation but also gentleness kindness and ease In order for us to answer the call for change and action to support, Our small businesses in San Francisco, we must harness this year we've been given, the year of the rabbit. We must act with the intentions of kindness, compassion and empathy in order to build greater community. I'll conclude with another heartfelt thank you to Executive Director Tang, Secretary Bernbach, all the OSB staff, my friends, my family, my husband Mike and my children Chloe and Sid for being my guides, inspiration and support And to my fellow commissioners, I look forward to co creating the agenda and priorities of the commission together in solidarity. So thank you. Thank you.
1: Director Tang?
18: Well, first of all, congratulations uh, to President Huey on this uh, momentous occasion, and I think you're far too modest. Um, You know, I've said this to all of you before, um, but I'll say it again, is that a lot of the work that all of you do is not taking place here during these, even these long commission meetings. They're really happening outside. Um, And I've seen time and time again, every time I'm talking to President Huey about something, uh, a problem that a small business owner brought to us you're immediately, your brain is spinning, thinking about how to solve this problem. What can I do to to help this business owner? Um, and so I've seen you in action, um, whether it's putting on events in the community or, again, figuring out problems that we can um, solve collectively. But also I really appreciate um, how you've talked about you want to get outside of your own comfort zone and go into different communities and continue to build your community expand. And I think that's super valuable for especially this leadership role that you're going to play. So I am so excited for um, your leadership role. And again, I think you don't give yourself enough credit for all the things that you do outside of this commission meeting. and then, of course, I also wanted to, to thank, um, I guess, do I call you President Laguana as well, right now? You're for kind of both president for yeah. now, <laughs> for the rest of this meeting. Um, wow, uh, I think I spent an hour on the phone with you when uh, I was first thinking about taking on this job, and um, I was so excited, I mean, truly. Um, the energy that you brought to this role, um, I think everyone has said this, um, I'm really at a loss for, I I mean, there's so many commissions in the city and there are things that happen and things that don't happen. And you have truly, I mean, brought everything uh, to this role. One thing I don't think enough people give you credit for is something that you made not happen, right? It's easy to say, oh, you know, you have your name on something, a piece of policy legislation, but actually there was a measure that was being proposed Um, that voters could have voted on, potentially, and it would have been very harmful to small businesses. But you did your homework, you researched it, you figured out a way to talk to people who had originally proposed this measure, and putting egos aside, figured out a way to get this off the ballot. And again, people may not give you credit for it, but that was a very pivotal moment. And if it had passed, I I mean, if it had gotten on the ballot, I'm pretty sure it would have passed because people don't read all the you know 20 pages of these measures and so i just really want to call that out as as just an example one example of many of ways that you've worked behind the scenes uh, outside of this commission meeting to really support the small business community Um, and so i'm going to miss even our hour-long conversations after commission meetings Um, and i know we will continue to stay in touch because you will still be engaged in supporting a small business community so Thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting me in this role, for supporting your fellow commissioners and all of the small business owners across uh, the city. So thank you, President Laguana, and welcome, President Huey.
1: Absolutely, welcome, President Huey. Uh, next, it's not, is it not next item? It's sort of like next section of this item. Or next item, next item. Next, uh, it is next item, sorry not looking
0: at it. Item six, Small Business Commission Officer Elections. For Vice President, this is a discussion and action item. The commission will nominate and vote on the new 2023 Commission Vice President. Are there any nominations for Vice President?
6: I would like to nominate Commissioner Zizunas. Um I could go on, <laughs> however. <laughs> I think... Um, I think we all know. I mean, I I've, I know why you would make a fantastic vice president. I've enjoyed working with you um, on so many initiatives, so many issues. And I think uh, we're always very well aligned in terms of equity and advocating and, um, and listening to voices. So that is, mm, I would to put
5: place that as my nomination. Second.
10: Leave <laughs> me. Okay. Second. Now I line. know what the game is.
5: <laughs> okay.
0: Do you know, uh, does the nominee want to make a statement? Thank you
14: for the nomination. Um, it, yeah, it's been a pretty intense term. Thank you for recounting all of the the work that we've we've done in the last couple years, um, and I, I want to say thank you for the nomination. And at first, I, I kind of was going to take a step back for this and see, you know, who who wanted to fill the role. I'm I'm pretty um, horizontal in how how I how I lead, and I really just wanted to empower anybody else um, and not you know hold hold the reins if I didn't have to. Um, but I, I am happy to um, to continue in this role and um, use it as a platform to further support our in- incumbent president's uh, goals on the commission, and um, hopefully just bring more um, collaboration to these leadership seats and really build um, some sustainability for for female-led leadership on on this commission. And um, I think we we can build that. Um, that continuity um, and I'm happy to you know support and bring forth you know any ideas that our newer commissioners have and um, you know this is a learning process for all of us and um, I think now that we are becoming a more action oriented Commission there's so much room um, for for everything that we're trying to accomplish and elevate in our communities Uh, So thank you for trusting me in in this role for another term um, and I accept your nomination.
1: (laughs) Is there any any public, oh, sorry. I
0: was going to say commissioners, any comments?
1: Okay. Uh, Is there any public comment? Uh,
0: There is none.
1: Okay. Um, Shall we proceed to the vote?
0: Yes, I will call the roll for the nomination of uh, Miriam Zuzunas for commission vice president. Commissioner Carter. Yes. Commissioner Dickerson. Yes. Commissioner Herbert. Yes. Commissioner Huey.
13: Yes.
1: President Laguana. As my last vote, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena is absent and uh, Commissioner Zuzunas.
14: I vote on myself? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow.
10: yes. You've done yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. You're having fun doing it. You don't know. I it. forgot that part. Elbloud's been in this Congratulations.
1: On. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, oh, I do get. I do have one more vote on the exciting draft meeting minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next item, please.
0: Item seven: Approval yeah. of draft meeting minutes. This is a discussion and action item.
1: Uh, uh, commissioners, any comments on the minutes?
18: I just have an amendment. Oh,
1: sorry. Oh, sorry. I, my, <laughs> my apologies. Director Tang.
18: Oh, thank you. No, I just have a, um, under the meeting minutes, under item 7, there was just a typo for a name, um, switching Ivy to Iris, that's all. And okay. uh, after that amendment, I think that's fine.
1: Yeah, and on the minutes for this meeting, since I won't be able to uh, vote on it, I think I said Irene Fong, and I meant Irene Riley. Um, Irene Fong was my son's kindergarten teacher, uh, <laughs> who also had a very impactful <laughs> presence, uh, so uh, one of the longest-serving teachers at uh, uh, McKinley Elementary, so. Uh, no, at, at any rate, if you could just correct that for the record, that, that would be appreciative. Uh, okay. Um, is, uh no commissioner comments. Is there any public comment on the draft minutes? There is
0: no public comment.
1: Okay. Seeing none, public comment is closed. Do we have a vote? Commissioner- oh, I, I move to uh, approve the minutes.
0: Is there a second? A second. Motion by President LaGuana seconded by Commissioner Carter. Commissioner Carter. Aye. Commissioner Dickerson. Yes. Commissioner Herbert. Yes. Not here. Commissioner Huey. Yes. President Liguana. Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena is not here and Vice President Zuzunis. Yes.
1: Motion passes. Okay, next item please.
0: Item eight, general public comment. This is a discussion item.
1: Are there any members of the public who would like to make comments on items not on the agenda? Is there anybody on public comment? Nope, no there one in none. the room. Seeing none, public comment is closed. Next item please.
0: Item nine, director's report, discussion item
18: all right good evening commissioners um so wanted to share that last friday um, as a result of the winter storm flooding our office launched a new special one-time grant program for flood disaster relief Um, and this was due to some um, leftover funding from oewd's budget so applications were open on friday and will be open for three weeks until friday february 10th at 5 p.m we've already had over 100 businesses apply for a grant where you could receive either up to $5,000 if you're located within a flood zone or $2,000 for businesses outside of flood zones and businesses with significant damages and within the flood zones will be prioritized so Wanted to make sure you were aware of that. Um, And we've done a lot of outreach uh, prior to the application going live um, on that program. So really wanna help support those businesses that um, experience the damage during winter storms. Um, And then, Secondly, just another reminder about third-party delivery apps. So for example, Uber Eats, DoorDash, GrubHub, um, that any food-based services, um, businesses, they must opt into a revised contract with companies um, by January 30th if, they, if you want to maintain the 15% fee cap um, and opt for the core delivery service um, plan. So just a final reminder about that, given the deadline coming up on January 30th. And then lastly, our office is continuing to do uh, personal outreach to merchant corridors by walking in, in um, these commercial corridors and visiting and talking to merchants. It's been really great to see uh, these corridors through the businesses' um, perspectives. Since our last meeting, we have visited Polk Street, uh, the Portola. We've spoken with the Mission Police Station captain to talk about issues in the mission. Um, and this week, we'll be going out to Noe Valley and um, also Haight Street. So I will keep my report short this evening. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Um, I had a thought and then I got distracted uh, about something you just said what was the, what were you starting at the, at, on the beginning there the flood relief grant? Oh yes the flood relief um, do, is there a status update on the SBA? Um,
18: not at the moment, unfortunately. We're, we're still awaiting um, federal or state resources, and uh, what, one of them was SBA disaster relief loans, and um, they have quite a bit of process to go through, so we agencies. are probably <laughs> weeks, if not months, out of knowing the status of that, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I was, I was talking to a business owner uh, today that had about $80,000 in losses, and so um, she was just trying to figure out what to do, and... Uh, I said, well, there is, we have a $2,000 grant, that's uh, 98% of the way, or 2% of the way there. Um, So, uh, you know, I think the the SBA thing would would be helpful, and then we should keep our eyes open as well as whether anything opens up at at the statewide level uh, with uh, the emergency uh, disaster declaration from uh, Governor Newsom.
18: Hmm. Yes, and also just want to remind commissioners on that note that we do also have another uh, resource page. So there's also an SFPUC flood water management grant where businesses with 50 or fewer employees could uh, receive up to $100,000 from the PUC for flood water management improvements. Or the property owner could apply for that as well. So there are some other resources also um, requesting from the assessor recorder's office property tax uh, reduction as a result of disaster. Um, so uh, people are welcome to contact our office if they wanna explore other options as well, including other loan products that are currently out there.
1: A big shout out and a big thank you to OSB staff for keeping that page updated, um, very clear, very easy to follow. Um, usually it's my experience, you talk to business owners that are stressed out and then they get even more stressed out trying to navigate the process this time people were like, oh, it's, um, I can't apply till Friday. And I was like, wow, I didn't have to explain that to you. Like it was (laughs) like right there on the page. So, um, thank you for, uh, collectively OSB staff for uh, making sure that that was really, uh, clean and well articulated. Uh, commissioners, any comments or questions? Uh, commissioner Herbert, I see you getting ready.
16: I, I, sorry, I missed part of your, um, um, of your portion of the meeting, um, I just wanted to clarify, so we we have to reapply or renegotiate the third party deliveries.
18: Um Yes, so if you want to maintain a fifteen percent cap on your delivery um, services, you would want to opt into the core um, service contract before or by January thirtieth and last um, I think that's the last date to do so. Otherwise, the uh, fee cap would be higher.
16: Right, and I'm, there's twenty percent, twenty-five percent, and thirty percent—crazy.
18: Yes, and so my understanding is, um, you know, obviously with each um, different tier and type of contract, then um, you will be able to access different types of services. So, depending on what your business needs are, um, I know the board and this commission supported a fee cap during the pandemic, and so. Um, these companies are allowed to, at this time, raise the cap, and so really want to make sure we're um, uh, outreaching to as many businesses as possible. Probably the easiest way um, to change um, the contract or to make sure that you're in the um, core service plan is to just go log into your account and to select um, the the most basic uh, core service plan through your online account.
1: Great. Uh, any other commissioner comments or questions? Yep. Vice President Zuzunas.
14: Yeah, I just still feel like I need a little bit of clarity on on how uh, that direction for the opt-in, just because when we talked, I went live into my portals and I didn't see anything, any options. Um, so is it like a, you already have to be in a, like, marketing agreement or something with... These companies, like is it going to apply to only certain types of agreements? Um, because like my, our business is in, a, is in a restaurant, so we don't like pay for extra marketing, but um, so maybe that's why maybe retail has a, has a different um, category, but I could not find these any way to opt in on the back ends of the platforms that I use and no language that was sent to me from those parties, from those companies that alluded to that. So, I don't know. I would love to hear a a different experience from a business owner. Maybe I'm missing something, but I, I haven't seen those options.
1: just go ahead right. <laughs> at this point in the meeting everybody just talks well, like i, I yeah. haven't
16: logged in yeah. yet but i mean mm-hmm. clearly they're the third party deliveries are trying to get around the 15% <coughs> cap so they're offering additional goodies if you pay more or you give them 20% or 25% or 30% so there are four tier levels um and I don't, I, it's usually really hard to get a hold, to connect with them. Like you can be on the phone for hours, so. Uh, right, that's what I'm trying to understand. Is that our only option if we don't see it on the?
18: We can work with you offline to, to maybe get into your account with you and, you and see you think I'm the seeing. only one that has that issue? Uh, we're not sure at this point. Um, so we're continuing to do the outreach to see if people just yeah. maybe miss this announcement somehow. I, I
14: just yeah. want to make sure what, was devised on the policy end is reflective of what's going to show on the merchant end, you know? Because I haven't seen any of that language coming from the
18: companies. I believe there was something actually sent in November. Um, And so uh, that was, I think you showed us something from December that was a term of service, but there was actually something beforehand Uh um, that was explaining um,
16: this process. And I think the GGRA put something out, the Golden Gate Restaurant Association. So I'm happy to look for stuff and help too.
1: And if it does turn out that it's a broader problem, then it's like Mm -hmm. perfect agenda item for the uh, commission to um, Mm. investigate. But yeah, it sounds like uh, a little more poking around is required. Is there any other commissioner comments or questions? Nope. uh,
14: I have a question about, it's not something you spoke on, but it's related to the office. Should I ask it? And I, I was talking to a, um, one of the workforce development nonprofits, um, and they mentioned that OSB has a lease, like a point of contact that helps them with lease negotiation stuff, and I was like, I don't, no, that's within our office. So I was wondering if that's like an OEWD
18: role, or so that's the, um, specifically for lease negotiations. Yeah. There's a contract through OEWD's Community Economic Development Team
5: mm-hmm.
18: for um, nonprofit partners to yeah. help people with lease negotiations. Okay. Yes. So um, if you if anyone needs help, you can always refer them over to us, and we can connect them with that resource.
14: Okay. So it's an OEWD person that helps nonprofits, helps small businesses.
18: It's OEWD that holds the contract with the nonprofit. Our team does refer people to that nonprofit Mm -hmm. or several nonprofits all the time. So you can can always refer them over to us and we can connect them with the right people. Okay, thank you.
1: Anything else? Okay, any public comment? There's none. Seeing none, public (laughs) comment is closed. Next (laughs) item, please.
0: Item 10, Commissioner Discussion and New Business. This is a discussion item.
1: Is there any new business? There's been a lot of new business. But is there any new business? That's not the new business we've already had. Oh, we just finished that. Yep. Uh, was there a vote? No. It's. Is, I guess it says action item, but like is that just a?
0: What says action item? Sorry.
1: Dire- the director's report oh. says action item, but I think that's just Sorry. a typo. There that was by. a typo. Yeah. Um at any rate, that that item's done, so we missed our opportunity to act. Um,
11: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you'll have to do it at your meeting. <laughs> uh, is there any new business? Vice President. Azunas. Thank
14: you. um in this in the spirit of keeping us an action oriented body, um, I think we heard a lot of how our, pre- our presenters are are eager to hear our. Um, policy pitches. And and so I would love to explore that um, false alarm code Mm. and see if it's something that um, we can write a uh, resolution about or dig into and understand the depth of uh, that issue and if it's something we can influence to change. And I'm happy to explain it to anyone in f- further detail?
16: Uh, I had some experience with that, yeah. but in Oakland, so it's probably similar where they have a specific department for false alarms.
14: <laughs> it's yeah. a fine. It's a false alarm fine. I paid $1,400 yeah. yeah. in false alarm yeah. fines. That now just makes it so they don't call the police.
16: Yeah, exactly.
14: Yeah, First, yeah. Okay, so that was my request for new business is if we can find out where that code lies and maybe explore it. Great. Thank you.
1: Is there any other new business? Uh, is there any public comment?
0: There are no public commenters.
1: Okay, see no public comment. The public comment is closed. Finally, we are here. Next item, please.
0: Item eleven, adjournment. SFGov TV, please show the Office of Small Business slide.
1: Oh, I gotta say the thing. Um, <laughs> We will end with a reminder that the Small Business Commission is the official public forum to voice your opinions and concerns about policies that affect the economic vitality of small businesses in San Francisco and that the Office of Small Business is the best place to get answers about doing business in San Francisco during the local emergency. If you need assistance with small business matters continue to reach out to the Office of Small Business. Tonight I will adjourn the Commission in memory of former commissioner, Kathleen Dooley, uh, who was such a, an integral force of this commission. And we do continue to miss her. Meeting adjourned. Thank you, Sharky. Oh my
8: God, I oh. spilled water on the new
14: <laughs> <laughs>